Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another week of the Madden Boys. This is your main co-host, your favorite co-host, Dr. Train on the ones and twos. We're going to get some cold cuts today. Woo! Now let's get this show started. Uh, first, let me bring on my co-host. I love him all to death. First guy I bring on. We missed him last week. We dearly, dearly missed this fella. Uh, but he's definitely back with us this week. Uh, so without further ado, K-Star, welcome back to the Mad Voice. Hey, I'm glad to be back. Missed you guys last week. I listened to the podcast, so I downloaded it and actually listened to it on Saturday. And uh, definitely a good show. You guys did your thing without me. Awesome, awesome, man. If I, you know, I want to give you a virtual hug, but yeah, we need your perspective. Somebody got to piss tea off. Right? Yes. But that, definitely more of that. It's always uh, entertaining. Right, right. Our next co-host, uh, he he's now my brother by association. <laughs> I call him Little Big Brother Jay from the ATL. Welcome to the Madden Voice. Dr. Train, K-Star, gentlemen, how's it going? Can't complain. Pretty How about good, you, bro? Man. Doing well, doing well. All right, and last but not least, the reason why we are all here, my brother from another mother, man, one day we will kick it like like no other. And our very own Kamish T, welcome to the Madden Voice. Gentlemen, gentlemen, and you too, K-Star, good to be here, good to be here. And uh, thank you, Dr. Train, for... Uh, taking the helm tonight as uh, work duties called. And uh, just want everybody to know that not only did Dr. is Dr. Train taking the helm tonight, but he also organized the topics and the schedule tonight, and he did, did a great job. So I want to recognize Dr. Train for keeping the Madden boys going when uh, Commissioner T was uh, kind of absent for the last couple of days. So appreciate it. Hey, I got a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good teacher. Uh, but, hey, let's just get this show started. Uh, we got quite a bit to cover. Uh, we're going to kick it off different this week because we're going to start it off with T-Bonics. 
Thank, thank you, Train. I, I wanted to start off with T-Bionics for a couple of reasons. Uh, first and foremost is I don't know how, how much energy I got tonight. Uh, if y'all knew what my last two days would like, uh, you'd be surprised that I'm here, but I am. And so let me, let me, get, it, let me get it early. And secondly, I'm going to touch on things that others may talk on later. So I wanted the ability to touch on it, but not necessarily steal other people's thunder. So what I'm going to talk about is why the NFL is so screwed up. And I'm going to be specific about something. But this is why the NFL right now is so screwed up. And I'm so, I'm so aggravated. I'm so annoyed. I can't, even, I can't even really find the words, but I'm going to try. You know? So we all know what's been going on over the last several weeks. Ray Rice, of course, kind of triggered everything. Um, you know, the Adrian Peterson brought it to a whole other level with the, the child abuse and Ray McDonald and Greg Hardy. Um, and then we had the, the Dwyer, Dwyer uh, arrest. And um, so we know what we've been going through. We heard, we heard Goodell's press conference. We'll talk about that shortly. You know, with all of the stuff that the NFL has been going through, you would think that they would embrace a feel-good story. You would think that the opportunity to demonstrate why you are currently the number one sport in this country, you would jump on that. And instead, what I saw simply has to be described as just an embarrassment. Now, we all saw the Thursday night game, and like I said, I know there's going to be some discussion about Atlanta and Tampa Bay last Thursday night. I'm not even going to talk about the outcome. That's not what I'm going to talk about. But I will give kudos to Dr. Train, who on last week's um, rant talked about Devin Hester and did the Bears let him go too soon. And clearly what we saw um, certainly supports Dr. Train's uh, conversation last week. So kudos to Dr. Train on that one. And I will make one little small comment. Wasn't Lovey Smith Devin Hester's head coach? Does he not know not to kick to Devin Hester? Yeah. But anyway, that's not even my main point. Because I figure maybe Dr. Train may jump on that one at some point. My main point is this. We can debate who the best returner of all time is, but we cannot debate who has the record. And right now it's Devin Hester who has the record. And as he was breaking the record, what did he do? He did a tribute to the man that he patted himself after, the man who happened to be there, primetime Deion Sanders, who did that dance a number of times and was never flagged, ever. Hester did it to show respect to what many still consider to be the greatest returner of all time. And we can debate that on another day. Who's better, Hester or primetime? I still say primetime, but I, I, I can't. I can't, I can't doubt Hester's greatness. I just can't. If you know football and you know the character of Devin Hester and you know what he feels for Deion Sanders, there's no reason to throw that flag. Absolutely. I don't give a crap your interpretation of the taunting rule. There was zero, zero intent to taunt. It was all about honoring a great athlete, a great receiver. That's what that was about. And in the stands was another great uh, return person from another era, Billy White Sue Johnson, who also did a lot of celebrating when he would score. This was a time to celebrate 
greatness in the NFL. Greatness. Respect. That's what Devin Hester was doing. He was celebrating respect. I respect. I'm breaking his record, but I'm giving an homage to the greatness of prime time and just trying to show some respect. And you penalize him? You throw a taunting flag? So what, what, what are you? So you're a referee who don't, uh, who don't know the history of football? Are you kidding me? You just sit in some class somewhere and you're taught what the rules are and that's it? You don't understand the legacy of the game? Are you kidding me? This is why football is so messed up. That, to me, is a disgrace. You have a chance to start off your week with all the garbage that's been going off with what would have been, to date, the best feel-good story of the year. The best. And instead, you try to taint it by throwing a flag and calling him for taunting. Thank God Hester is a man of class. Deion Sanders is a man of class. And they, they, just, they just, they didn't even acknowledge it. Hester gave all the credit in the world to primetime, and primetime gave it right back. So kudos to both of them for handling it like gentlemen, like true men, like true athletes. My hat's off to both of them. But NFL, you need to wake up because you weren't always the number one sport in this country. And if you don't wake up and see what you're doing, you're going to go back to being number two or number three or don't sleep on soccer, maybe number four. My rant is over. Mm. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Living Brother definitely Jay, agree with that. that. Huh? So definitely got to agree with all that was said. Absolutely a cosign and stamp of approval there. I mean, it was kind of crazy for them to flag him. Um, obviously, again, it was ignorance as to why they fired him because they knew what was going on. The referee, then I don't think he would have done that. But that's a whole other set of uh, uh, can of worms altogether, like T was saying. So I uh, definitely uh, got to agree with all that. Okay. Yeah, I got to agree with it too. I mean, it's it's a microcosm of what the NFL has been about. And, I mean, T hit it on the head. You got the greatest return man in history. Getting his record broken at home and with him there. You know, call a flag for that? I mean, that's crazy. So, he hit it on the head, and I can't add anything else to it. Well, that experience is definitely bittersweet for me. More sweet than bitter. Really wish he was in the Bears uniform when he did that, but definitely glad for Devin Hester. But uh, as far as uh, T's subject, uh, with that included, and all the off-field issues, it all does look a mess, you know. And you, and it's just, yeah, to me, there's no really no explanation for it. But it's it's all a mess. Uh, should we just continue with the rants? Yeah, go ahead. Why not? Go ahead. Just keep going right. with the rants. We're on a roll. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let's let's roll with uh K Star Sound Off. Speaking of refs and throwing flags and just being ridiculous, uh, let me tell you something. I don't understand why the refs have the compulsion to, uh, you know, throw a flag or make a game-altering decision where, you know, they may may uh, blow the whistle and kill a play when which it can't be reviewed at that point. I mean, <sighs> Sunday night we saw it again in, in the Charlotte where my Steelers, you know, dominated the Panthers, but 
That's a no other topic later. Um, listen, a big Ben Roethlisberger had hit Marcus Whedon for a touchdown pass. It looked like a touchdown. He even had uh, one referee put both arms up in the air for Evans if it were a touchdown. However, on the other side, we had a referee take his hat off and throw it, indicating that Marcus Wheaton stepped out of bounds. Now, that's great. That's terrific. That's wonderful. They do that. It's their job. It's what they're supposed to do. And more times than not, they get it right as soon as that happens. However, in this instance, it was very, very close. And like most plays where, you know, a referee will blow the whistle or throw a flag on a crucial play, it has come to the point where more often than not, there are plays that happen throughout the game that cannot be challenged because of a referee's, you know, just compulsion to to make a game-altering call. And it's annoying to me. There's a lot of issues. There's a problem there on two different levels. One is the problem with the NFL still not getting replay right because you can't review uh, plays in which a referee either blows a damn whistle or throws a flag, and that needs to change, or throws his hat. And secondly, we have a problem with the referees being too involved in these type of crucial plays. Now, don't get me wrong. They shouldn't just sit on their whistle or they need to call the game. But when it comes to, to bang, bang plays like that where it's really that, you know, quick and, and could go either way, I just don't understand why they're so quick to throw a flag, why to blow the whistle, or why to throw the damn hat. It doesn't make any sense to me because, again, it can't be replayed, and they know that. They know the rules. So why not focus on getting it right? I don't understand why there's such an aggressive notion to do that in the NFL. It just it disgusts me, irritates me. And to this point, I don't know if Marcus Wheaton said that out bounds or not. It was very, very close. Um, maybe he did. But, again, what we saw from that replay, as brief as it was, it was frame-by-frame type of close. So, I'm just – guys, I'm just annoyed by it because I see it every week. I think we all can agree we see some play, bang, bang play, that gets killed by referee before he even go to the uh, challenge booth, and it's just it's annoying. I'll, uh, I'll jump in here, and I agree with you, K-Star. The, the refs do uh, – considering that they know that turnovers and touchdowns are automatically reviewed, it would make sense that if it's that close to either call the touchdown or allow the turnover to continue. Because the Bears got – I mean, we were very beneficial, which which would have been a game changer if they were allowed to play to continue last night where Cutler fumbled the ball. Because it was clearly a fumble, clearly a recover by the Jets, and clearly would have been a touchdown had they not called the ball dead. So – yeah, I, I just think in the case where now they've made certain plays just reviewable so they make sure that they get them right, because if they call it a touchdown and they review it and it's not a touchdown, you can overturn it. But, of course, you blow it dead, you can't. So considering they can do that, I don't understand why, you know, I know everything is game time and it's bang, bang, but the referees, this is your job. This is your job to get it right. Uh, yeah, but there, 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 there is a, but there is one problem. While I don't disagree, there is a problem when the refs call it dead. They're blowing a whistle on the field and saying the play's over. And generally, only the person with the ball is still moving at that time. Everybody else stops. So you then can't go back and award a touchdown, or you can award possession, you know, but you can't award points. It happened to Dallas against Tennessee where Rolando McClain made an incredible interception and got up and ran scored, but they blew it dead, you know, and I ended up giving Dallas the ball, but they couldn't give him the touchdown because they blew it dead. So that's probably never going to change. But beyond that, 
beyond the blowing it dead part, which is a game, you know, it's kind of, you're making that decision live. So, I mean, that's going to be what it's going to be. Beyond that, oh, I agree. There is still a problem with the lack of being able to implement instant replay accordingly so that games are decided by the true play on the field and not by the referee's decisions. That I still agree with. I still think they've got a long way to go before before we're there. Well, I think just with the system that they got, I don't think they take advantage of it. Because with that play that you just mentioned, T, with the turnover that should, that should, that uh, that that was uh, that the Jets forced forced against Chicago, and with the touchdown, if they allow those plays to happen and call them as turnovers and just allow it to go without blowing the whistle dead, then the play is actually reviewable. They can actually get it right because it's automatically reviewable versus blowing yeah, but they it dead. Think they got it right, but you, but but train. They think they got it right. They're not I mean, going to yeah, let a play go. Do. Right. So they're not going to let a play go on the off chance that they're wrong so it can be reviewed. At that moment when they're calling it dead, they think they, they truly believe it's the right call. So, and at that point, when you hear the whistle on the field, you stop. So there's no way now to go back and say, well, go, well we were wrong, so give them the touchdown, because now everybody's like, hey, you know, we stopped playing because yeah. you blew it dead. So. That part of it, unfortunately, there's really no response to that simply because it is, it, it, it's live. It's, it's act, you know, it's, it's instantaneous. And we have to count that the refs more times than not are going to make that right call. And I think for some reason this year, they're not, as, they're not on their game as much as we've seen in previous yeah. years. They're, they're off their game, so it's, it's an issue but I don't know that there's a way to change that other than the refs just being more accurate on that particular type of call. I just say just just let it just let it play out. Like you can call it back if it's if it's a score or if it's, it's or if it wasn't a wasn't a fumble or an interception, you can actually call that back. Yeah, but what That's if you don't believe just, what if, or what if you truly believe it's dead? What if you truly believe it's not an interception? Right? If you're the ref, I, your I, job yeah. Say, um, not an interception. That's your job. So you blow yeah, up. They can still the play play a bit of a buffer there. They could still just exhibit a little bit more caution, basically, because I mean, what we've seen, and T, you know, I agree with that fundamentally. There's also more or less like maybe, you know, just just bite that whistle, just, just hold on a little bit longer normally than you typically have been doing, because it can make all the difference in the world. Like that play against the Bears or Bears just last night. I mean, that's a, that could change the whole complexion of the game. And in fact. Um, it cost the Steelers a playoffs last year when they played the Chiefs. There's like a fourth and two pump uh, pump fake, and they actually blew the whistle um, when the pile was still moving. And it would have been a first down. It would have given the Chiefs the ball. It would have basically given the Chiefs the game and put the Steelers in playoffs. It's just yeah, but I mean, remember guys, you're happen. looking it's at it. Happen. You're you're looking at it Monday morning quarterbacking. You're looking at it after the fact, saying, well, they could have held the whistle. They could have. In the heat of the moment, they're thinking they're making the right call, and that's their job. So right. you have to keep that in mind. You can't look at it the next day and say, well, we've done this, then we could have reviewed it, and we could Well, at that exact moment, I've never refed a football game. I have refed basketball games, and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. You know, I mean, and I, I'm, no, I'm not trained or anything, but it's hard. There's a lot going on. So the ref, and I'm not trying to defend them. I remember my initial statement was, I don't mm-hmm. believe they're getting 
uh, as many calls right this year as they used to. And I don't believe, I agree with Train, the, the, the replay system is not being implemented like it could be. That I agree with completely. However, I don't think the answer is for them to now slow down calls for the fear that they may be wrong. And so if I do it this way, then I can call it back. And I think you're opening up a complete can of worms now instead of just saying, look, you know, pay attention, pay even closer attention, but you still got to make the best call you think at that moment. That's their job. They have to go with what they think is the right call. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. With what he's saying, I think the more you try to make it perfect, the more you open yourself up for more errors. And you know, with that play last night with the Jets and Bears, definitely that was a fumble. But as you're looking at it in in real time, if you think that is not a fumble and the play is dead, you're gonna call the whole play dead. That's just bottom line. That's what you're gonna do. It's not until you get a chance to look at the the review and then see that you're wrong. But once you think you're right and you blow it, you think that's it. Play is over. You happen to see it get overturned. Oh, well, I was wrong. Okay, well let's let's reverse that. But unfortunately, like I said, the more you try to make it perfect, unfortunately, the more mistakes are going to come up, and then you're going to have more arguments as to why we're doing what we're doing. So it's it's a fine line to walk. They just have to do a better job, and and I agree with everybody saying they got to use instant replay better because it's not being used to its fullest capability. I don't know what it is when JB talks. I just be like, all right, I got to listen because it just makes. Sense. Anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, what, are you, what, are you, what are you saying? Now, when I talk, you to me out like I don't, you know, I, I don't like that. <laughs> it's just a different voice, man, because all we have is voices these days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, anyway, I'm we're going to move on to JV's I Bring the Mic. What you got on your mind? Okay, JV's segment of I Bring the Mic. Let's back up to last week where I talked about the the uh, the Giants, I believe, and and what they need to do. This week, I'm talking about Tampa Bay. Now, as I said before, the offseason looks pretty good. They had made a lot of changes. Looks like they got Lovey Smith in there, who obviously has a defensive mind. This is where he started. This is his homecoming, if you will. They didn't make any changes on the defensive side of the ball, but they made changes on the offensive side of the ball. So, with that being said, we expected to see a lot more offense. You've got Doug Martin coming back from the shoulder injury, looking healthy. You've got Luke McCown, who I thought that was an iffy pick, but I could understand where they're coming from, bringing McCown yeah. in, even though if, if if I was back there in Chicago throwing Alshon Jeffrey and, and Brandon Marshall and got Matt Forte, I think I'd be playing pretty good too. But nevertheless, I don't think a lot of folks figured that they would go 0-3 in the way they have looked. I mean, going into the Georgia Dome, divisional game, and getting 56 points hung up on you before you could blink an eye is ridiculous. That is absurd. That is uncalled for. I had talked about my rant with the Giants last week. This is the same blueprint now for Tampa Bay. The state of Florida is 1-8. The lone win going down to South Florida, Miami. The other two teams, 0-3 each. And Tampa Bay is looking a lot like Jacksonville. Now, granted, they have been decimated on the defensive side of the ball. McCoy's been hurt. They've, they've lost some depth. So I get all of that. But still, at the end of the day, like like Lovey Smith said, it's my job to get the players prepared to play, and I didn't do my job. You're darn right you didn't do your job. That's the best statement you've made so far. 
because I actually had a chance to watch that game, and I couldn't even watch the whole game. I'm down in ATL. I'll, I'll throw support for ATL. Obviously, a Cowboys fan, I'm not going to give too much, but it is a hometown team. But I want to see a competitive game. I want to see a divisional game. I want to see a matchup. I want to see heads start knocking into each other. They literally just fold over. You can go ahead and just score any way you want to. doesn't matter. And like T. Head said, you had Devin Hester on your team before. You should know not to kick the ball to him. you got to have two touchdowns put on you before you realize, ooh, that's the wrong person to kick to? Are you serious? It takes two scores for you to do that? Come on now. Show some common sense. Pull the kicker if you have to. Get another kicker in there. Do something. 56 to nothing, that happens in the game of Madden. Not in the game of football real life. I'm talking X button, B button, and then the left, right. It happens then. Not on the football field. Combined with the fact that Atlanta had a short week just like you. Tampa Bay, not that far from Atlanta. It's not like going from San Francisco all the way to New York. It's not that far of a drive or even a flight. You can get there, get ready to play. Show up and play. 0-3 and to lose like that, I don't care where it is. You can go over to England. You don't lose 56-14 to and they had these two touchdowns. Basically, the game was over after the first half. First half game done. What are you going to do, Lovey Smith, now to get your troops fired up and ready to go after they got their butts handed to them? That's what I want to know. What are you going to do next? Because you don't have your quarterback. You gave up on, on Glenn, and now he's got to come in because McCown's hurt. I just heard uh, yesterday that you're trying out uh, Terrell Pryor. You better hope Martin comes back because he he, he's going to have to put in Yeoman's work to take pressure off the defense, pressure off the quarterback, pressure off everything. But you can't rely on just one person. Get your staff ready to coach your players and get your players ready to play on Sunday. Or you're going to be 0-4, and you might even be challenging Detroit for 0-16. Get it together. I bring the mic to you. Man. to drop the mic sound on this thing. <laughs> but, J.D., I, I do have there, – there, there's a couple of things uh, to consider. But I have a question, and then there's one thing to consider. Uh, T uh, told us a, a couple of seasons ago that coaching matters, uh, even down to the position coach. And right now, the guy that was hired as the offensive coordinator is not with the team. And – I'm not sure how much effect that would have on them moving the ball, but I'm sure it has some because he's supposed to be the guy to call the game offensively, and he's out with an illness and, and can't be with the team right now, and he, and he missed that particular game. Secondly, I would ask you, at what point do you, even though Lovishman said he didn't do his job to prepare the team, but at what point do you separate the coach doing his job and the players not doing their job because at some point, you're on the field, and sometimes it doesn't take for you to necessarily force a turnover, just make a tackle, and the play changes. And Tampa Bay just looked out of place. So at what point do you separate that? 
At what point do you take it off the coach and put it on the players? JB. Are you asking me? Yes. You know, if you go back and you look at the first two games, they, they lost a couple of close ones to, to Carolina and to St. Louis, and then they get the doors blown in. And those two games home. When you're on the road, I put more of the emphasis on the coaches because it's a road game. And this is just my opinion. I could be completely wrong, but when it's a road game, you got to make sure before you they're ready to go. And it was clear from the onset their heads were somewhere else. I have no idea where, but they were somewhere else. Most of the time, your coach and coach, players play, and you can only do so much. But you said it just they just looked lost. They just looked absolutely lost. It was blown assignment after blown assignment. And as I stated before and, and T had touched on, I have to say it again. Common sense should tell you, don't kick it to Devin Hester. Your coaches oh, yeah. need to relate to the players. Hey, listen, he just ran a touchdown back. Hey, guess what? I coached that dude before. He's dangerous. Keep it away from him. He's still got some gas in the tank. So the majority of the time, to answer your question in the long, long run, majority of the time I say players. But in this particular case, on the road, short week, the coaches got to get him ready. Uh, T, K-Star? Um, I, I, I'm going to take a different position. I, I'm going to say I 90% disagree with my brother. Um, I don't absolve Lovey Smith or the coaching staff, and I don't know for a fact that he didn't tell them, don't kick the Hester. I don't know that he did. I just said, you know, <laughs> you kicked to him more than once, somebody fucked up or someone messed up. Um, but, 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 but I'm going to disagree because it's three games. You coming down on him like he's been there for five years. It's three games. It's three. There's a reason why he got this job. The team's a mess. That's why. And his job is to turn it around. And did anybody think he was going to go in there and be three and up? Now, granted, the team looks horrible. I, 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 I don't, I'm not going to deny that. So he's got his work cut out. But let's let's let just like everyone's calling the Bengals the best team in the NFL right now. Well, okay, really? They're the best team in the NFL. Have they been to a Super Bowl in the last eleven years under Marvin Lewis? We can't put teams in the Super Bowl too early and we can't put them in the crapper too early. It's three games. Let's see what Lovey does. He took, all the, he took all the blame because he's a good coach. Great, I don't know, but he's a good coach. And, and I would expect Train to be able to discuss Lovey Smith as a coach much better than I can. But my experience watching Lovey Smith in Chicago, he's a good coach. And he deserved to get another job. And I think he's in a good place, a place that historically has had a, a defensive reputation, which is what Lovey Smith is known for. So let's see what he can do. But let's not let's not go, you know, you know, ready to call a lynch mob because they got they got whooped. Clearly, Atlanta is back. They already beat New Orleans. And New Orleans, I don't care what anybody says, they may be one and two. They're, they're not a one and two team. That's just their record. Okay, I know, Parcells, you are what your record is. Well, that team ain't one and two. Trust me. I, Dallas has them on Sunday Sunday night, and I'm worried about that game. I ain't going to lie, okay? So they beat New Orleans. 
they decimated this game. I mean, you know, I saw them on hard knock. Those guys, they're coming to play. My, I'm going to tell you, well, I, I'm going off on another subject, but I'm a little irritated with Roddy White, but that's another subject I won't get into right now. Um, but, hey, let's see what Lovey can do. Let's give, let's, give him, let's give him a fair shot. Three games is not enough to start developing a report card and, and saying that, you know, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. He got the job because the team sucked. So now let's see what he does. Let's give him a season. Let's give him Sunday. Let's see how they respond to this massacre. You know, let's see. Now, if the team comes out flat and does nothing, okay, then maybe, maybe we might be able to see maybe there's a problem. But even then, I'm still saying, let's just hold off for a minute and let's just see what happens. Let's not, let's not bury the guy just yet. Let's see what he can do. Uh, K-Star? I mean, it's just a reactionary world. Everyone has recency bias built into any assessment they have and people these days. When they see a blowout like that, you know, they just automatically assume that that's the prognication. That's what you're going to be. That's who you are, and you can't do anything to change it. I mean, it's just it's very short-sighted, but that's just the, the reactionary world we live in. Um, I definitely agree. People got to just, just chill out a little bit, let things play out. You can forecast all you want, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the, uh, you got to remember the teams are still practicing. Teams are still working to get better, and teams – and players and coaches, they don't like to be embarrassed. I mean, I really doubt anyone from the Buccaneers felt too good about it. You saw Mike James crying on the sideline, uh, the uh, backup running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because it was embarrassing. It was awful. I expect them to play better, and they're actually going to be at Pittsburgh this Sunday. Um, and so I think they actually will give us the game because they're, they're a lot better than what they showed at Atlanta. And I, I think Levy will get them uh, back right again. And as far as coaching goes, I mean – it goes hand in hand. It goes on the coach. It goes on the players. It's really tough to single one out or the other, um, especially with this little bit of data that we have. It's certainly not enough, like he said. You need more than just a small sample size. Um, I mean, hey, like I said, I expect them to play a lot better. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things we gotta see more than to, the, to, to truly uh, make it proper. You know. Well, let's well, um, let's respond from the twenty eighth, but. Looking at the, the way the team plays, I, mean, I, I give it everybody saying it's early to make predictions. I, I get all that. But I'm talking about an eyeball test. And I saw that whole game, and I know about the you know, rivalry that they have. And when you don't show up to play, you sorry, there's a problem. Hopefully they do respond. I, I really hope that they do respond. And I do like Lovey Smith. He, I think he's a very good coach. But for this one, for this game, didn't look good at all. Well, I don't think anyone's disagreeing that it didn't look good. I think we're just saying how much of it do you really put on Lovey as he's the first – this is his first year with the team and it's it's game three. That's all. I don't think anyone's going to argue that it doesn't look good, but I'm, I'm, I'm cautious about just saying it's all on Lovey because it was a division game. Um, I think it's, players it's, had a lot to do with it. And also keep on. in mind – Keep in mind, remember how much blame Shiano used to get? He used to be the scapegoat. Well, is it really Shiano or is it something on the players? A lot of those players came, were on his team too, so just saying. Well, it was a I mean, I need to be looking at the GM. It, I'll, it, it, I'll go ahead, Davey. They, they all look 
all of that. And all I'm saying is that when you're on the road in the divisional game, you got to get your players ready. And quite frankly, they did not look ready to play. I've seen a ton of football like everybody else, and the eyeball test to me showed that they just were not ready to play. Now, maybe the stuff was said about not kicking to them or kicking to them. But overall, they did not look like they were focused and ready. But, but JV, if you've, you've seen a lot of football, I know you have. There are games that sometimes Dallas has had them. Everybody's had them, you know. Uh, and, and sometimes the game, and this is what this looked like. It just it, it snowballed, and the momentum was going, and it just it just got out of control. And we've seen we've seen the Patriots do that to teams. We've seen the Saints do that to teams. We've seen the Broncos under Peyton Manning do that to teams. Sometimes a juggernaut comes in, whether it's to your stadium or you go to theirs, and they get on a roll, and the next thing you know, you know, it's it's 28 nothing in the second quarter, and it's over, right? I mean, it just sometimes it just happens. I, I would say let's not shut down the season because of this game, even though they did look like crap. I don't disagree with you there. They looked, they did, they looked horrible. They did. But I'm not ready to just say, it's because of love of yours. It could have just been one of those games that just got out of hand. So let's see what they do against Pittsburgh. Let's see what they do over the next several weeks. And then who knows? Maybe in a few weeks I'm coming back saying, um, yep, JJB, you were right. <laughs> this team is bad. <laughs> you know? I hope that I'm – honestly, I hope that I'm wrong because, like I said, I like Lovey Smith. I like what he did in Chicago. I like the way he coaches. I respect what he does. And I hope that I am wrong. But – uh, let's, like you said, let's let's find out what happens. Let's see what they're truly made of, and if they bounce back in Pittsburgh and, and they're on the road against Pittsburgh, hopefully they have a solid game and, and prove me wrong. I'm hoping for it because I want to see them be competitive in that division. Well, I, I'll wrap this up just simply by saying, from my perspective, um, Lovey Smith did take the blame, but the players definitely have to play better. There were fumbles in there. Bobby Rainey fumbling twice. Uh, the game wasn't even out of hand, and the defense uh, makes a uh, forces a uh, tight end to fumble. You know they recover that ball and they're returning. And here comes Devin Hester, looking like he's playing for Chicago, and he forces a fumble. And he's on offense. So uh, if they take better care of that ball and just execute in that game, it doesn't look as bad as it as as it does. And that that does that there for me falls on the players. All right. With that said, let's uh, let's roll on into Doctor Train's philosophy. That segment of the show, I think uh, most people will agree. But anyway, uh, I'm gonna keep it short. Um, uh, my topic is pretty much next man up as it's starting to become more prevalent. And there's a good and bad thing about this. Uh, the first, the bad. That means there's an injury to a player or even a favorite player or favorite players that people like to see play whether that be on offense and defense. Uh, and, of course, the good thing is the next man up, you never know what you have on your depth chart. Uh, but it seems like even from last season, there was a ton of injuries, and it's like it's snowballing into this season. There seems to be a ton of injuries building up on teams every week. Uh, I think just for Chicago, we went through every single safety we had last night, at least got a snap on defense. Uh, for other teams, they're experiencing the same thing, whether it be offense or defense. They, you know, they're having to go definitely deep in their depth chart to uh, 
uh, for players to play. So it's it's just it's becoming more prevalent. It does give people an opportunity, but a small part of me just feels like it almost diminishes the game a little bit because talent-wise, it goes down. Then you have some of these games that just get ridiculously out of hand. I mean, Jerry McCoy is only one guy, but for Tampa Bay, that's a big hole. And you can and you see and you saw what Atlanta did taking advantage of that big hole. So it, it's just something that I'm seeing that the next man up is just coming becoming way more prevalent now because of the rash of injuries injuries and there's going to be even more attention paid. Not that it hasn't already been, but I will we'll bet even more attention will be paid to making sure you got the best 53 men on your roster. All right. Anybody comment to that? Agree. This one, T. I, I I just say I agree. Um, I, I don't. I I think I think that um, I'm torn on this, but I agree with you. I'm torn because there are definitely injuries that you can't recover from. It, it happens. And at the same time, the guy that's coming in to fill the slot is getting paid to play too. And you still have to try to figure out a way to adjust your game plan accordingly. You know, the Cowboys have Des Bryant. Um, he's, he's one of the best in the game. If he goes down, what do you do? You know, you guys won last night with pretty much nothing from Brandon Marshall. Congratulations. Um, mm-hmm. But last week, what did he have, two touchdowns? You know, um, you know, three. So, you know what I mean? So, you know, Jake Cutler goes down. What happens? Big Ben goes down. What happens? You know, um, we don't all have, um, you know, fourth round draft picks names cousins, um, you know, as backups on our team. So I agree with you principally. I do. Next man up always is the case. Let's go. Let's go. We can't sit here and cry over spilt milk. He's hurt. He's out. Boom. Get your pads, get your helmet, and let's go play some football. No excuses, okay? But at the same time, the reality of it is there are some injuries that if they happen, I mean, you are lucky over in Chicago, this this rookie with three interceptions already. God bless him, you know? Um, you know, making the loss of Tillman not hurt yet, you know? So, but but there are injuries that sometimes you can't get over, and, and then what? You know, and then what do you do? The next man doesn't get the job done because he's just not as talented. He's playing hard. He's trying, but he just ain't that good. So then what do you do? And and that does happen on many teams as well. So I, I agree with you. I'm not saying I don't agree with you, but I do know there are times that, depending on the injury, man, <laughs> uh, it, could, it could be ugly. So, All right. Hey, JB, hold your comment one, one quick second. Uh, we got a call on the line. 717, welcome to the Madden Voice. Hey, gentlemen, Mike in Pittsburgh. How's it going? Going pretty good, Mike. Mike. How you doing? Good. I want to talk uh, about the problems, in my opinion, with uh, the 49ers. Hmm. You know, guys, in today's NFL with free agency, you don't get large windows. They had a three-year span where they were probably the best team over three years, and they could never get over the hump uh, – to finally win the Super Bowl. 
And I just think, you know, other than like the Patriots, um, you don't have teams like back in the 80s and 90s, like the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Redskins, who stay great for, you know, five, uh, eight-year stretch. And I just think the Niners missed their opportunity and a few things. I think Harbaugh is kind of a, a lame duck coach as well as he's done. He's kind of hinted that he's, you know, willing to leave over a contract. And this might be a perfect position for him to take off and go to another team. I think Kaepernick, uh, the problem with that contract they gave him is sometimes when you see a quarterback that's, you know, above average, not great, perform well in the playoffs, just the playoffs magnify everything, and then you think they're a superstar, kind of almost like Flacco. So I think in the long run, when you give him a contract like that and you start losing other players, um, I think they're in trouble. And I think this week's game against Philadelphia is huge for them because the Eagles are rolling right now. If they go into San Francisco and put the Niners at 1-3, one one and three, um, Niners are in trouble. That division they're in with Arizona 3-0, and oh, Seattle. Um, I like your thoughts on the Niners at this point in the season. Mm, good question. Uh, I'll take this one on. Slow be the beginning of the year because they have you know a lot of guys who aren't even playing who will return. You have Navarro Bowman, you have Alvin Smith, um, you have uh, I believe they have a, a, a second player in the secondary who's also out. You know, and they're going through a transitional phase right now where you know they they are playing without some leaders of their team. They are still trying to develop, and they're starting off slow offensively, just as they did last year. I believe they started off one and two last year as well. Uh, they definitely definitely had a chance to win at Arizona, but they couldn't get it done. But doesn't mean they won't get it done because they still are a really good team. I mean, you look at their roster. Look at Carlos Hyde. I mean, look at him. Like he's going to become a factor for them this year. You see Michael Crabtree. He's back. I mean, they have guys who are still playmakers. They would continue to get better, and that's just one of those things where, um, I don't know, who's to say that they can't get the Super Bowl this year and what's stopping them? Uh, it's not for a lack of talent. Um, some teams are, are, are slow starters. We were you know, talking about that earlier, and that when, when teams do start off a little slow, it's really easy to bury them. But had we done that last year, then we would have uh, had a projected them to be in the championship game. And how, does your, how does your how does your perception change if the Eagles go in and beat them at San Francisco to put them at one and three, with Arizona three and zero and Seattle two and one in the division? Do you start to worry if they lose this game against Philly this weekend? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would say that's more of a of a breaking point where it's like, all right, because at that point you you could forget about the division. Seattle's too many games up on you, or even Arizona at that point. They they definitely need to win this Sunday. Uh, I still think if they lose, they're not dead. But I certainly think that it, it's right left in San Francisco and that, you know, they probably projected that they would be in much better shape at the beginning of the year, even without those key guys that they're missing who they expect to return, um, you know, than, than they are if they lose, you know, to Philly. And they should be Philly. I think they will beat Philadelphia. But, uh, no, if they lose, yeah, they're definitely in a, in a heap of trouble because I expect Arizona, um, although they're on bye week, and Seattle, although they're on bye week, uh, to keep it rolling because they both look really good. I don't know. Uh, uh, T, what do you think? Well, you know, I, 
there's a reason we don't do power rankings till after week four. Um, you know, one and three is certainly not good news. Um, but to count a Harbaugh coach team who's been to two consecutive NFC championship games out at one and three, I think is a little premature. Um, they've had some injuries. Um, they're playing in a division that has gotten better. And, you know, could they have underestimated what was going to be happening in a division? Maybe. Um, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, at one and three, hypothetically, if they lose to Philly, which I don't think they'll lose to Philly. Um, but let's just to answer Mike's question. They go to one and three. They got 12 games left to get it together. That's way too early to put a, a nail in their coffin. Um, and, you know, again, this, this is a this is a coach who benched an Alex Smith who had only one loss at the time to bring in a Kaepernick and then took him to the Super Bowl. So this guy knows what he's doing. I'd say let's 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 not well, bury him. Let me ask you this question, sir. Do you, do you believe in the theory that they've had three years where they were probably the best team over three years and didn't win the Super Bowl? Um, do you believe nowadays, other than the exception of New England, that you get about that three, four-year window, and then little things start happening? You know, a few people leave, a few injuries. Maybe you're not as good as you thought you were. Every team's gunning for you because you've been the best, and then all of a sudden you just kind of go back to the middle of the pack like a Green Bay or something. Well, to, to answer your question, of course, free agency you know, and salary caps have affected the ability to run dynasties. Um, you know, but but that said, we have seen uh, a team out in, in New England that has been able to somehow manage the salary cap. We have seen uh, we have seen other teams, uh, you know, manage to be. I mean, Peyton over in Indianapolis for many years, very competitive. So I mean, it is possible to still be competitive year after year, even under today's salary cap. So. Is it as easy as it was in the early 90s with the old Cowboys and, you know, in the 80s and 70s with the Cowboys and the Steelers? No, it's not like that anymore. But it can still be done. We've, we've seen it. And uh, I just – I'm not ready to bury the 49ers just yet. They, they still have way too much talent. They get some players back. They get healthy. They get a win. You're talking about one and three. So what happens if they win and they're at two and two? So what are your thoughts yeah. then? You know? And they beat a team that many think is one of the better teams in the NFC. They take them down. Now they get some confidence, and now they're 2-2. Two and two. So now could we be looking at a resurgence of the 49ers? Well, well, my, my, my thoughts personally, I'm a Cowboys fan, and trust me, I hate the Eagles more than anybody else, but uh, I'm, I'm becoming a little worried about the Eagles, especially because it seems like everybody else in the NFC – is getting off to a, a slower start, and even a team like Seattle is in a real tough division. If you look at Philadelphia with the Redskins, the Giants, the Cowboys, and off to a three and zero start, they're kind of positioning themselves, you know, for a possible, you know, um, buy in the playoffs, maybe home field. I mean, the only other undefeated team in the NFC is Arizona, and do we really believe with the quarterback they have in there now that you know they're going to challenge for a Super Bowl? So. Um, I am a little concerned um, as someone that hates the Eagles that the Eagles are starting to put together, uh, you know, they, they're winning a lot of close games, but in the past they would lose those games. So I'd kind of like your thoughts on uh, the path for the Eagles, especially being in that division they're in. Well, well, let me finish your other question first. Yeah. If the 49ers win, they go to 2-2. Two and two. Then they've got Kansas City, 
at home. Okay? I would go on record and say they're going to win that game. Then they go and play St. Louis. Okay? So now, all of a sudden, your potential one and three scenario is now a four and two scenario. Well, but, okay. my, but my thoughts are, and I'll, and I'll throw the prediction out right here on your show, I think the Eagles go in there and uh, they beat the 49ers pretty easily. Um, from someone in Pennsylvania that's watching the Eagles, again, I, I don't have a rooting interest for them. I just think their offense is starting to click like one of those um, that you see in a generation, like the you know the Rams' greatest show on turf with Sproles in there. I think they're just scratching the surface here, as much as I hate to say it. I think they're going to go in there, even though it's in San Francisco, and I think they're going to put them at one and three. Well, I mean, you know, you have a right to that opinion. I don't think the Eagles are as good as advertised. They are three and zero. I'll give them all the credit in the world for being three and zero. I think their defense is suspect. Um, you know, Sproles Sproles has been a nice addition to that offense. I I will I will agree with that. Um, you know, I watched the game against the Redskins while I was watching the Cowboys come back against the Rams. And, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins almost, you know, could've, they could have won that game. And I don't know that I have a lot of respect for the Redskins. And yet, they could have won that game. They could have beat the Eagles. You know, not to mention being down 17 nothing to the Jaguars and being down by, um, was it the Bears they were down? No, it wasn't the yeah. Bears. I've got to the who, who, who was the second the second game they came back after being down fourteen points? Uh, so Indianapolis uh, on Monday night. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And so, I mean, here's a team that could be right now one and two. Now they came back and wiped out the Jags in the second half, so I won't say they were gonna lose that one. But the thing is though, is is under Chip Kelly guys, that's what he preaches. He preaches the second half to be the best shaped team in the NFL. Heck, his, play, his own players are even complaining that practices uh, during the regular season are harder um, than for most other teams. So that yeah, but kind he's of not preaching like, to go. But he's not preaching to go down by two or three scores. He's not. But, but, but what's happening is at the end of these games, around the third quarter or so, um, the, the the condition of his team is is showing. I mean, I, I don't like the Eagles, but I'm just telling you what I'm seeing from watching the games. Well, and 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 I and again, I will remind you, they could have lost against the Colts. Frankly, um, you know, if there was a if there was a uh, uh, um, interference call instead of a turnover, they would have lost to the Colts, and they yeah. could have lost to the Redskins too. So they happen to be at three and zero. Congratulations! I don't take anything away from them. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear me talk about Nick Foles a little bit later. Um, but you know. The, the the way they got to three and zero is not impressing me to be worried about a San Francisco team at home next week. I just don't think they've they're not the juggernaut that you're professing them to be at this point in time. Will they be? Maybe, maybe in a few weeks I'll say Mike from Pittsburgh knew what he was talking about. But right now they're eking by. You know they had to come back from behind seventeen against the Jags. They had to come back from behind against the Colts. They had to come back from behind against the Redskins. Chip Kelly ain't preaching that. And I can tell you, watching as much football as I've watched, you keep playing those odds, and eventually those odds are going to turn on you. And you're not going to be able to come back, conditioned or not. Hey, Mike, you got a lot of static. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello? Hello? 
Mike, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to mute you, man. For some reason, you, you went and you got a whole lot of static. Have call understand back. Mike, 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 call back. I just call call right back in. Yeah. You All know, right. And, and, uh, I, and, I, and listen, let me let me let me just say this. And I was gonna say it while he was on the air, but it doesn't matter. Um, I I respect his opinions and his views, but this is the problem. In the NFL, it's a problem with the pundits on TV. It's a problem with a lot of fans. Is we're three weeks into it, and you're already putting people in the Super Bowl. You're already making season-long predictions after three games. Yeah. It's just it's it's just too early. You know, it's too early to start. You know, Bengals the best team in the NFL. Oh, slow down, slow down. Let's 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 wait another week or two, and then we can things will start to shape up a little bit more after four or five games. But two three weeks is just not enough time. We've seen it too many times in the NFL. Chiefs were nine and zero last year. And where did they end up, right? K-Star knew all along, but, you know, hey, I gave them respect because they were 9-0. But where are the Chiefs now, right? So let's, let's, let's slow down with the rush to judgments. And friendly reminder, guys, it is actually today. It is September 23rd. Just keep that in mind. It is only September. We're not even through the month of September yet. Come on with the proclamations, everyone. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I brought the call on. I thought he was going to talk about something that we were, we were talking about. But, JV, did you have anything to say for the last topic that we were on before? Well, Reminder, because he was talking about the 49ers, and that's when we got off track. And I was going to add my two cents in, but I think we've said enough. So let's let's go back to it. He, his, his point is valid and understood, uh, but we've – kind of killed that a little bit. So let's go back to where we were before. Well, where we were is uh, next man up more prevalent, and he had just finished his spill on it. Uh, right. And was- I agree with where she's coming from. I think it, it's hard to, and I agree with, your, with what you're saying also, Dr. Train, is just that it's you have to pick your poison. You understand that you can put all of your money to have depth at running back or put your money to have depth at your offensive line or your defensive line or in your secondary. But there's going to come a point where your your main cog is going to go down. And unfortunately, you just don't have enough money spent in that particular area for the next player up to be on that same type of level to be able to contribute the way you would need him to contribute. And it's unfortunate if you someone that's a great pass rusher, he goes down. But that's your best player on defense, and you don't have any any type of backup for him. You got to go grab someone off the practice squad. It, you can't you can't fault the organization. You have to find a way to spend your money appropriately. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I do agree with that. Um. Okay, let's so, get into our other. Go go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying it, it's. I understand where you're coming from. It's just tough to be able to figure out when that key car goes down, what do you do next? And hopefully the next player does step up. But it's almost like playing the game of Madden. you got a guy with an overall rate of 98, and his backup is a 60. I mean, it's it's basically the same type of scenario. As case, I haven't seen folks do some magic with those backups. <laughs> Definitely, man. Little fast retards is what we used to call them, just fast brainless players that no awareness, but just super fast to make you uh, Madden stars out of them. Matt Jones, <laughs> remember him? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, Matt Jones was a monster, but terrible in their life. But a monster in Madden. Overall rating of like sixty-two, but he had a jump of like ninety-nine, and yeah, it was ridiculous. Wow. 
tactics. But anyway. And that's where your coaching comes in. Play to the player's strength. Hope that he can manage it. Yeah. Definitely indeed. Now let's roll into some of our issues of the week, man. Um, our first, we got Cadell's press conference and the uh, OTL's report on Ray Rice. Uh, T, I'll let you start us off with this one. Yeah, and I apologize, guys. I'm getting a little, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tired. So when I'm tired, I talk more. I mean, I always talk a lot anyway, but I talk more when I'm tired. Um, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor this. I'm just gonna say, um, <laughs> there, there's a reason I'm called the omniscient one. Is I know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, if you if you saw or read or heard about the outside the lines report, clearly there's more than meets the eye here. As I said, clearly, um, you know, uh, there was some. You know, without rehashing it all, there's a problem here. Um, and what what really disappoints me is Goodell's press conference was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, you're not you, you're gone for ten days from the spotlight. You come out to a press conference, and the only thing you said is "I'm wrong" and "I'm sorry," and that's it. You were asked pointed questions including the very point I brought up weeks ago on the Madden Voice um, about the Saints and how he told Sean Payton that ignorance is no excuse. You're supposed to know. And yet when he was asked that question, he sidestepped it like, like, he, was, like he was Devin Hester, <laughs> sidestepping a tackle, okay? I mean, this guy, I had so much respect for Roger Goodell as a businessman before these last five or six weeks. I now have lost so much respect for him as an NFL commissioner. He's done his job by increasing revenues and making money for the owner and making money for the league and making the league number one if it wasn't already number one. He's done that job altogether. But there's so many other things that he didn't do. Why now are you having a special personal conduct commission and all these things you're doing now as if all of a sudden these things are prevalent because you screwed up with the Ray Rice judgment and clearly the more evidence that comes out between you and Piscotti, Piccotti, whatever his name is, the Ravens owner, there's a cover-up here. There's no doubt about it, okay? I'm not one to rush to judgment, but the evidence is piling up and it's overwhelming. And I'm disappointed because this is the league we love. I feel a special ownership to football. Like, I feel like a part of the NFL, and I hope you guys do too, that are, that are my fellow co-hosts, and I hope everyone out there, we own this game. This is our game. We wait all year for football. We love it. When we talk about our teams, what do we call them? Our teams, my team. We're going to play the Saints on Sunday night. What are we going to do, right? We own this. We wear the gear. We paint our faces. We go to the bar. You know, we do all of these things because of our love for the game. And this is how we are treated a cover-up like this, a press conference where you have a chance, you didn't have to resign, but answer the tough questions. Come right out and say exactly what everybody wants to hear. Hey, you know what? Time for me to come clean. And you put it out there. But you didn't do that, Roger Goodell. You didn't do that. So I will say it again for the second week in a row, and I'm saying it even much more forcefully now than I said it a week ago. He needs to go. I, there's nothing he can do now at this point to change my mind. 
all the special commissions, all the committees, all the private investigations and all of that after the fact, Monday morning quarterbacking right now won't change the fact that not only did you make a mistake, but clearly when you were making the mistake, you knew you were making a mistake and you figured you were bigger than the league, it'd be okay. No one will ever know. So that begs to ask one question and nobody else is asking. How many other times has this happened under his commissionership? I mean, if we continue to find out that this was a cover-up between the Ravens and the NFL and Goodell was one of the conspirators of the cover-up, are we naive enough to think this is the first time that this has happened? And my last comment, one of the NFL players, and it might have been Torrey Smith, but I don't know, tweeted something to the effect of, Goodell sounds just like one of us when we're wrong and we're trying to explain why. And I thought it was classic because that's exactly what he sounded like. The guy's got to go. Sorry. He's got to go. And no, I'm not sorry. He needs to go. I'm done. I mean, if the owners don't want him to go, then um, I don't really think we, you know, it's up to us. Oh, it's, it's okay. Sorry, it's not up to us. But on the other hand, you sure it's not up to us? I mean, you don't think public pressure hasn't dictated everything that's been going on? Mm. Oh, it certainly has. Trump. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I mean, they're the only ones who can literally vote him off the island. Oh, so you're, you're, what you're talking is a procedural thing. I'm talking about the right. procedurally. You're absolutely correct. The owners have to say you need 17 owners to say he's gone. And right now, there's no evidence that backs that 17 owners would say that he's gone. Okay, I get that. But the more stuff that comes out and the more public pressure and the more sponsors that pull their support and the more women's groups and all these organizations that are flying banners over football games, all this stuff keeps up. Mark my words. The rubber will, hit the, will meet the road at some point. Maybe not now. But mark my words, if all this public pressure continues, the owners are not going to have a choice. They're not going to have a choice. You know, I said about two, maybe three weeks ago that before it gets better, it's going to get worse. And I see that starting to play out already. The owners are willing to back Goodell as long as there's no cover-up. But as each day progresses, we're seeing more and more. And as each day does progress, I think that level of confidence sways a bit. And everybody knows it's all about money. And when you start taking money out of the owner's pockets, that's going to start changing things. Public perception as well. But when it starts hitting their pockets and they start to see things in a different light, things are going to change. And the more of this, it's boiling down now to who can lie the best. That's really what it boils down to. And, and, and T, I agree. I think he's got to go. He, he, it, it looks awful, and it's, it's going to come to a point where I think there's going to be enough pressure where he has to go. Uh, I, I'll just say this. Um, there are some parts of this press conference that I, I did think were okay. Um, I, don't completely just, I don't completely agree that it was a waste of time, but I do agree with you in the simple fact that um, – if this starts to be more of a conspiracy than what it was led to be from the beginning, then definitely uh, the NFL needs to get a new commissioner. 
there is one one document that uh or one article I read on the Tribune where uh Brandon Marshall and, and Troy Vincent they had a meeting with, with Roger Goodell and um within that meeting uh they interviewed Brandon Marshall for this particular article and he expressed how much Goodell actually cares for the players. Uh and maybe that's why he didn't give Ray Rice, you know, a long suspension. Maybe that's why they tried to there may be a cover up. Maybe he didn't wanna mess up his career, but if that be the case then that may have been that may have been a mistake. And if there's like I said, if there is a conspiracy then yeah I agree. Definitely agree with you guys that you need you need a new face for the NFL, for commissioner. All right, uh moving on to the next topic. Uh Kerry Williams, defensive back for Philadelphia Eagles, has issues with Chip Kelly's practice, but the team is three and zero. Uh, JV, smoke or fire? You know, I think this is smoke. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed at the fact that he had to open his mouth and say something. Uh, I mean, you, you could see that he thought about it a while before he chose his poignant words. And with this new collective bargaining agreement, these practices are basically walkthroughs. They're nothing like what they used to be. So it's disappointing to see, especially when you're three and zero, and it's not like you're the main player on this team. You're a contributor, and, and barely that. So just go ahead and play football. It's smoke right now. Hopefully it will be the last of his comments. K-Star? K-Star, are you with us? He is not with us. T? Uh, yeah, I agree with Jay. Um, you know, my, my only – first of all, he should have said it, period. Um, but you, you have to say to yourself, um, you know, if if Bill Parcells is coaching this team, do you ever hear that? If Bill Walsh is coaching a team, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Bill Belichick, um, you know, there's other coaches that I can list, right? So is this a chink in Chip Kelly's armor is – you know, the fact that this was said publicly and this guy thought it was okay to me leads to an issue. Now, first of all, you're 3-0, and so shut your mouth. <laughs> um, you know, shut your mouth. But, you know, I, I think we should keep an eye on Chip Kelly as a coach and just kind of wonder if this is the beginning of some stuff behind the scenes that we're not privy to. I could be completely wrong, but the better coaches – Generally, you don't hear this stuff. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I, I have to agree uh, actually with both of you. Uh, my my biggest issue, uh, and I think you you expressed it, T, is that um, why are you talking? If you got a complaint, just take it to your coach. You you have to tell the media, and you're sitting at three and zero. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. If I got an issue at work, me going outside yelling about it is not going to do anything. <laughs> Take it to your head coach. Keep it inside. It looks better. All right. Uh, Looks like we lost K-Star for a minute, so hopefully he'll be back with us. Uh, next topic. Well, we've already, we, we've definitely talked about Tampa Bay, so we won't go down that road. Uh, but let's visit this one area, last of the unbeatens. Uh, Cincinnati, 
Philly and uh, the Cardinals are all 3-0. and uh, I'll hand this over to you, uh, Louis Brother Jay. Which one has the best chance of winning their division? You know, I took a look at the records, and it's tough. It's not as close or it's not as uh, drastic as both of thinking. It's pretty close between the three. Both, all three teams have um, played two games at home. Obviously, won them both. I think the team with the best chance to win the division is looking like Cincinnati. They look probably the most balanced out of the three. Um, you know, Philly, obviously, with their second half comebacks and whatnot, can't take that away from them. But overall, both sides of the ball and, and what they're doing on offense, I think Cincinnati is the best looking of the three. Uh, Commissioner T. Well, I mean, of the three, um, the only team, I mean, you know, at the last minute I got ahead and went with my Cowboys to pick to win the division, and I'm still feeling pretty good about that that pick. Um, I picked uh, Seattle to win that division, and um, I picked the Bengals to win their division. Um, so, you know, just by the uh, my preseason pick, I'm going to go with the Bengals. Um, there's a lot of scuttlebutt people calling them the best, most balanced team in the NFL. Maybe a little early, in my opinion, to draw that conclusion, but they look good. Um, I just know that, as we've talked about for years, coaching matters. I think Marvin Lewis is a good coach, but he hasn't been able to really get it done on a big level. Um, and I, I'm just not I, – I, I still picked them to win the division because I don't believe in Pittsburgh. Sorry, K-Star, but I don't. And I think the Ravens just have lost too much over the last – since their Super Bowl run, um, but I, but Marvin Lewis is a you know Tomlin has won a Super Bowl, Harbaugh has won a Super Bowl, Marvin Lewis has been coaching uh, head coaching longer than both of them, and hasn't won a playoff game. So while I still think they're going to win the division, I don't know if they're going to do more than that, <laughs> frankly. So, uh, K Star out of the three. Now you got to re- replay the question for me because I got cut off in the middle of it. I'm sorry. Well, it's uh, last of the unbeatens since uh, the Bengals, the Bengals, the Eagles, oh. and the Cardinals. Which which one has the best chance to win their division? Well, the first question you should ask is which one is playing in the softest division, and that to me is the NFC East. Um, so uh, for me, it's silly that I feel like they have the best chance to win their division. I mean, you see how just ridiculous that offense is and continues to uh, uh, improve from week one to week three. You can see it's getting better. Um, shout out to Nick Foles, by the way, because he's legitimate. He's bona fide. That's a whole other topic. Um, and, again, you look at the rest of the people that, within their division, uh, you know, you look at the Cowboys. They had a nice come-from-behind uh, win at, at St. Louis. But I, I think we've seen the best of Tony Ramos and um, – uh, we we look at Washington and you know they survived the Washington onslaught that was Kirk Cousins uh, and you know you look at the Giants and they look like, look like a mess the first couple weeks they got together week three but I mean although it's early uh, the NFC East typically is the weakest division within, in the NFL um, it makes mediocrity look super exciting and I think Philadelphia is a pretty good team a pretty damn good team. Uh, with a very unique offensive system and, and very great skill position players like LaShawn McCoy uh, and Jerry Macklin. So, uh, for me, it's silly. Mm. 
Let me just ask K-Star a quick question. Did I hear you say something to the effect of we've heard, we've seen the best of Tony Romo? Oh, yeah, he, he, he's hurt. He, 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 even when he's moving around right now, it doesn't look nearly as fluid because of the same guys we've seen over the past few years. Something isn't right, at least from my perspective. You, you've seen more of him, you would know more. Um, but well, well, point, well, okay, but that's two, separate, that's two separate statements. One is something's not right. The second one is we've seen the best of them. You're, you're making that one statement. Let's, let's, let's remind people he just had back surgery. I mean, and he, didn't, he barely played in the preseason. So, yes, I mean he's coming off of back surgery. I mean, I mean, I, I think it's a it's a little presumptuous at thirty three, thirty four to say we've seen the best of Tony Romo though. Um, he's coming off back surgery. He's getting back in the game shape. I think he played. Uh, I said after week two he didn't look right, and I'm beginning to think that it was mostly rust and just not playing because he looked much better last week. Um, then he looked the week before. I mean, that 16-yard run where he juked uh, the cornerback, um, you know, uh, he looked much more like the Romo that, uh, not completely, but much more like the Romo that we've seen in previous years than he did the week before. So, I, I, I mean, let's, you know, and we have the you know the leading rusher in the NFL too. So maybe Romo doesn't need to do as much um, with that offensive line making the holes that DeMarco Murray is running through as well. So keep that in mind. I agree with that. Running game was great. I actually like how Dallas is playing schematically. They're, they're doing what they should be doing as far as running the ball. Um, and, you know, Romo definitely looked better from week two to week three, so maybe that continues. Uh, no, Don't better continue little... because you got the Saints coming to town, so we has got to be on right. the game Sunday night. So. That's right. Because right. we know Drew well, Brees is going to be on his, so. Let me say, out of out of these three, um, I, I look at Philly. I'm not as big a believer in Philly as, as K-Star is. My issue is that they did have to come from behind in all three of those games, and at some point that will catch up to you. And uh, they're, you know, I believe more in defense winning championships. Offense does sell tickets, and it can get you enough wins to make the playoffs, but I don't think it'll get you a championship. Uh, and that division, honestly, no matter how uh, – until it's week 17, there's no telling who's going to win the NFC East. I'm sorry. It's just that's just how it is. Cardinals, um, I tip my hat to Bruce Arians for what he's able to do uh, with his backup quarterback with Drew Stanton. So, uh, but their defense is showing up, and it's helping them win games. But out of all three of these teams, Cincinnati is definitely the most balanced. Uh, whether they're the best team in the NFL, hey, that's not the question. The thing is, they do have the best chance of winning their division because they are balanced. They are well balanced on both sides of the ball, uh, and looking better than any team in their division at the present moment. So I would say Cincinnati. With that said, we're gonna move on to our next segment since K Star is back. Uh, we also welcome back Bonafide or Bonafront. And our first contestant is Kirk Cousins. The question is, top 10 QB, rest of the way. K-Star. Oh, that's so Bonafide, it's ridiculous. This, this is a slam dunk. Kirk Cousins, that offense. Well, first of all, let's, let's remind everyone, I think that most people 
were high on the Redskins' offense before the season. So that was with Robert Griffin III as the quarterback. Well, RG3 looked pretty awful uh, in the preseason and, you know, when he did play in the regular season. And it kind of hurt the value of everyone else in that offense and kind of took away uh, the luster from it. Well, it's back now. I mean, he has Deshaun Jackson. He has Pierre Garçon. He has Alfred Morris. He has those tight ends, and, and now it's Paul Jordan Reed. So the weapons are there. Um, you know, and Kirk Cousins, he's a great fit for their offensive scheme with Jay Gruden. I mean, again, Jay Gruden is a guy who made top, Andy Dalton the top five fantasy quarterback last season. Uh, Kirk Cousins seems to be a similar type of player. And this is without the Bengals' defense. This is with a bad defense that he's playing with in Washington. So there's going to be a lot of shootouts. Hell, we just saw one against the Eagles. And Kirk Cousins was dominant. I mean, the guy over 400 yards, three touchdowns, and he looked terrific. Um, and, and so I expect that to continue, uh, barring injury. Um, I don't believe RG3 touches the field the rest of the way uh, because I expect Kirk Cousins to play well. And I don't see how they could even insert RG3 in the lineup unless Daniel Snyder just basically uh, forced him into the situation. But uh, I think Kirk Cousins absolutely is a top-10 quarterback the rest of the way. Uh, it's just Do you mean top-10 quarterback in reference Football or top ten quarterback in reference to playing football? Oh well, in fantasy, I'm sorry, in fantasy football. Okay. Although, okay. Although I will say that he may not be a top ten quarterback per se uh, this season for Cousins or even next season. I think that when you look at the end of the season numbers, just from a pure statistic standpoint, he'll definitely have top ten numbers, which obviously coincides with him being a top ten fantasy quarterback as well. Hmm. Okay. Um T. I mean K Star blurs the line of fantasy points and productivity on the field. He blurs that line. Productivity on the field offensively also relies on what your defense does as well. Um and, and even if he goes out there and scores, oh I don't know, let me pick a number, thirty four points if the other team scores 37, it's a loss. So he may throw for full, let me pick a number, 443 yards um, offensively and rack up fantasy points and lose. So is he a top 10 quarterback production-wise? Well, yes, statistically. But does that That's make him one of the about. 10? Okay, so, but, that doesn't, but, but that doesn't make him one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. You, you no, 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 no. I'm, I'm speaking of fantasy well. football. I'm talking about fantasy football. Um, I I think it's I think you're right only because there are quarterbacks that don't need I don't think he's I think because they're going to need that from him to be competitive yeah. in the game. That's why yeah. not because he's so good. Um, just because you know Russell Wilson, it doesn't have to do those kind of numbers. He has a stout defense, but Russell Wilson is undefeated against the Four Horsemen. Yet statistically, you know, he, he is, uh, although he's having a pretty good year, statistically he's not going to be a fantasy beast. He doesn't have to be. So even Romo, frankly, may not have to be a fantasy beast if, if um, Murray keeps running the way he's running. So I mm-hmm. think because they have to in order to be competitive in the NFC East and be competitive in the NFC, he, and he does fit the scheme. That I agree with. I, I said that when he was drafted. I said he was – they drafted him for a reason. I said that the long-term plan is for him to replace RG3. I said that right after the draft. 
So I'm not going to go back on what I said then. And I've also said I don't see RG3 coming back in, especially if Cousins wins some games. I, I don't see it happening. Um, so I agree with you, K-Star, but I think it's more because he's going to have to for the Redskins to be um, competitive, not because not because he's necessarily that good. He's not a Breeze who, you know, Breeze goes out there and just as, as what he does, he throws for 300 yards and two or three touchdowns. Um, you know, Brady, you know, so far this year isn't Tom Brady just yet. So let's see what happens. Even Aaron Rodgers isn't quite Aaron Rodgers yet. So that opens up doors for guys like a Cousins to come in and, you know, kind of move up the ladder a little bit. And the other thing is, you know, he only he what he played three games last year. So how much film do they have on him? So I agree with you. Maybe not for all the reasons you stated, but I do agree with you. Yeah, I mean he 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 will be a top ten. Um, so yeah. So you going bona fide for a top? I'm going to go bona fide. Okay. Yes. Uh, JV bona fide or bona front on Kirk Cousins top ten fantasy QB rest of the way. Yeah, I got to agree with everybody and say bona fide also. Um, you, you, you hit it on the head again. I think we're both in lockstep tonight on, on most matters. He, uh, If you don't have a stout defense in a running game, you're going to have to go back and put up some, some yards and some points. And obviously he doesn't have the stout defense. You saw what happened this past Sunday. So to answer your question, yeah, I put him at bona fide top ten fantasy. All right. Uh, for this particular case, I, I definitely have a degree in strictly in reference to fantasy football top ten because he has to throw the ball, and you got a quarterback that has to throw the ball. You know, every week you're talking about at least three, three fifty, two, three touchdowns. Easy. Uh, next contestant, Le'Veon Bell, is the question. Has he surpassed Forte McCoy as most valuable back, bona fide or bona front? K-Star. So bona fide. Le'Veon Bell is my man. Listen, you know, I'm sure you guys saw the Sunday night game uh, against the Panthers. Um, Le'Veon Bell has the best feet in the NFL next to LaShawn McCoy but at a much bigger frame. Oh, and with an actually healthy offensive line. LaShawn McCoy is going to be terrific, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not down on him. It's more or less later on Bell. It seems to be the next young, great back in the NFL. Um, when you have an offensive line, Marquise Pouncey uh, and David Castro who emerged, both first-round picks, Pro Bowls. And, again, the skill set that Le'Veon brings from uh, both as a runner, as a receiver out the backfield as well, um, you know, he's just a guy that's been flat out dominant so far this season. Uh, third right now in fantasy points at the running back position behind uh, old Marshawn and Marco Murray. He's off to a terrific start. Um, but you look at McCoy, you look at Forte, and again, while these guys are terrific, McCoy has the, that offensive line in Philadelphia is, is absolutely shattered right now. Uh, they've lost two people for a few months at a time. They're starting center was just lost this past Sunday. They're without their Pro Bowl guard of the Mathis for uh, six to eight weeks. Um, and the thing about McCoy is you have Darren Sproles, who's also getting a lot of carries, a lot of touches in the offense. As far as Matt Forte goes, he's off to a slow start of the season. Uh, I don't expect that to, to, to linger on because Matt Forte is still one of the best backs in the league. However, 
uh, Forte doesn't have the skill set at this point in his career that Le'Veon Bell brings. He's just um, he, he, Matt Forte again, very very good, but Le'Veon Bell in in that offense is the feature player. Um, he, he just gets more targets, gets more touches overall than Matt Forte, and again, he's just so explosive. Uh, I love Le'Veon Bell. He is beyond bonafide. He's twenty two. All right. Uh... JV Bonafide or Bonafide? You know, it's kind of tough. I think he has passed Forte, uh, and it's not so much because of Forte specifically. I think it's more because of all the weapons that Chicago has on the team. McCoy, that's that's a tough one because he is very versatile and he brings a lot of different dimensions. Um, you know, uh, I'm hesitant, but I'll go out and say Bonafide. Uh he, he, Le'Veon Bell is showing a skill set that I'm not sure folks thought he would have coming out of Michigan State. So, hesitantly, but yeah, I'll say bonus. Miss T. Actually, I, I want to hear what you have to say because he he's talking about one, your running back. I'm surprised you didn't jump uh-huh. on that right away. He's talking about Matt Forte. I'm more interested in what you have to say. He ain't going after DeMarco Murray. He knew better. So I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, I'll put it to you this way. In reference to how you phrase this question, I will call it Bonafront. For one, Le'Veon Bell needs to stay healthy for one full season. Both McCoy and Forte have done that. Secondly, uh, McCoy and Forte are both backs that not only run and catch out the backfield, they're also in there because they pass block very well, very well. And that is key to keep quarterback up, key to keeping your quarterback up, and key to moving your offense. Which is the reason why Forte was one of the reasons why Forte doesn't get a lot of targets coming out of backfield because he's he's called to block a lot of times to get the ball to uh, Martellus Bennett, Martellus Bennett, and to Marshall and to to Jeffries. So, in reference to your question, not to Le'Veon Bell's skill set. Uh, Bonner front for me. I do want to remind you, though, you don't get fancy points for blocking. This in reference once again, once again, in reference to your question. Your question was: Has he surpassed Forte McCoy as most valuable back? In reference to that, Bonner front. Commiss mm. T. Um. Um, I, I I have to kind of agree with train big picture wise. Um, it's three games again. Uh, I wouldn't even you know, and Demarco Murray by seventy yards is leading everyone um, in the NFL by seventy yards after only three games, and I wouldn't put him past. Uh, or certainly wouldn't put him past McCoy. Um, and I'd be hesitant to put him past Forte. And my first reason would be he's got to stay healthy. And, you know, Murray has not played 16 games yet. So I, I can't, I couldn't say that with all consciousness, knowing he hasn't played 16 games yet. He's been in the league longer than Bell, who hasn't played 16 games. Um, so, so first thing is, can Bell play 16 games? Um Will Bell be productive? Yeah, I mean, I, I had him in, in a league uh, his rookie year. Um, I think he was suspended. Wasn't he suspended for a couple of games? And no, he, he 
he missed the first three games of last season with um, a list Frank injury he suffered in training camp. Okay, that's what. It was. And I and I went and got him because I knew the guy was going to be talented. He's very talented. But when you start comparing him to established backs, that's that's where to me you gotta you gotta see a little bit more than three games. Is he a good back? Yes. Is he solid? Yes, he is. Will he get you some fantasy points? Absolutely. Um, would I put him ahead of the more established backs after three games? No, no, I wouldn't. Um, you know, uh, um, I, I want to see two or three more weeks of this, and then I may come back and say, "Wow, look at Bell." I mean, look at what that guy's doing. You know, good guy. He goes and sprains his ankle next week, has another foot injury. Now where you at? So I, I, I'd have to say, again, like Train said, based on how you phrased it um, on a front. But I do want to ask you a question on Le'Veon Bell because two weeks ago when you were on the Madden Voice, you asked if Jamal Charles was bona fide or bona front, and you said bona fide. And you specifically said that he would never be traded. Three days later, Uh-oh. you went and traded Le'Veon Bell. And your explanation was, well, I'm a Steelers fan. So after saying he would be a guy that you would never trade, you then three days later went and traded him. Help me understand that. Well, it's working out pretty well, I want to say. That's um... – well, Something you didn't know mentioned. that Jamal Charles was going to get injured, so don't act like no, you had no, some no, crystal no, ball. I will tell you that I knew that Le'Veon Bell was absolutely bona fide. Um, after that first game against uh, Cleveland and just watching how just, it, he's just so quick in and out of the cut, he's so big. And I was smart, like, he's not bona fide. For me, He's breaking up, K-Star. Yeah, you you got to find a better spot, man. You're breaking up bad. Because I really want right. to hit his end. I, I did Dang. too, but he got to find a better spot. He needs to find a spot in his <laughs> home where he can do this show every week. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you back? Yeah, no. Yeah, stay right there. Don't move for the next hour. All right, answer the question. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. That's impossible. That's what's below. Uh, listen, Le'Veon Bell is, again, the type of player in which I had confidence to trade Jamal Charles uh, because he's just, that, he's just that good of a back. Like, when you watch him play, when you look at the skill set, it's there. And I do believe Jamal Charles is absolutely bona fide when he's healthy. Um, but, again, the reason why I was confident to trade Jamal Charles and to get, you know, Bell and Nelson – um, I think it's important to mention that I did get Jordy Nelson too with him. Uh, is because again he's just in that offense for utilizes him and he's a feature player, probably the most feature player more so than Tony Brown uh, in our offense at the moment. And um, what can I say? He's just he's averaging six yards a carry. Uh, you know, second men in the NFL as far as rushing yards go behind DeMarco, um, but with 22 less attempts and. 70 less yards, averaging a little bit more than he is, and uh, third in fancy points uh, at running back. I expect it to continue barring injury. Um, he just looks like a different player this year, and he was very, very good last year. He was actually sixth last year in fantasy points per game. And as okay, but, right but, now, but, 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 okay, we can all reach that line. That's my my point is, you made a statement and then almost immediately did something directly opposite of your statement. So the guy that you said was bona fide and you would never trade. 
you know, went right around and traded him. So where's your credibility? My credibility <laughs> is that I, I'm sorry, I said Le'Veon Bell was the best game back in the league, and I made a trade for him. After I, Saints, Jamal Charles, Charles Jamal, was going to be traded for anyone, but Jamal Charles will be traded for Le'Veon Bell. But that's not Again. what you said. <laughs> that's not what you said. So basically, you eating those words. Kathy's eating those um, words. That's all you got to say is, you're right, guys, I'm eating my words. I made a, I made a, <laughs> a statement. You I made a statement that, a, that guy would never be traded, and I turned around and traded him. Because that's what happened. Uh, I mean... Well, I, I will for one say that if I was if I had been Pimmer, I wouldn't have took that trade because your deal wasn't worth it. And the simple the simple the simple reason I wouldn't have taken your trade is because Jamal Charles plays for the team that plays for a team where he's the only weapon. And unless they can get on the ball and teams go in preparing to stop Jamal Charles, it's tough to get points out of him. Then you gave him last year. Which is also another player whose production depends on the quarterback. And we all know what the quarterback situation is like in Arizona. It's just not consistent enough for Larry Fitzgerald to score. Don't know why Pimmer made that trade with you, but there's no way out of giving you Lady Young Bell and Jordy Nelson. Agreed. It's, uh, people, it's, it's Jamal Charles off last season, what people saw when he was the best player in fantasy football. Once again, I know you see my point. There's no way no, I would have made that I trade. That's what. Dude, that's why I made the trade. Absolutely, I see your point. <laughs> I am surprised that Pimmer, who is a two-time yeah. fantasy champion, made that trade. Now, granted, yeah, I am. for someone who hoards running backs and Seacoast, yeah, exactly. before you made that trade, I saw what Le'Veon Bell had done in the previous game. And I'm looking like this guy gets a very good chunk of the offense runs his way. Why would he make that trade? There was no, there was nothing to say Jamal Charles would outperform him this season. Okay, hey, hey, do you have a video or something on Timmer? What's, what's going on, man? You got a video on him? Hey, man, I don't have a video, but again, people love. You know what? I gotta be honest. That was the setup, ladies and gentlemen. What you saw me say in week one, bona fide in, uh, Jamal Charles. I mean, you know, Pinner Hawkins was listening. And he was like, oh, my God, did he just offer me Jamal Charles? <laughs> Most bona fide back ever. Uh, I have to do that. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That's what happened. Anyway, I think we'll this, roll hey, to man, the I next person, no, next, the, the, the next, uh, next player hey, up. Hey, 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 Train. Hey, Train. I believe yeah. there's a sound effect. It's called blow it out your ass. If you find it, that would be appropriate. <laughs> right okay. Go ahead. We can, we can, we can go on. Just saying. <laughs> Gentlemen, and here it is. Blow it out your ass. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you need to hear. Anyway, uh, next up, Andrew Luck, ranked number one QB through week three, through three weeks, but does he finish top three? Bonafide up on the front. Okay, start. This is tough. I gotta say, um, but I don't think he finishes top three this year at quarterback. I think it's going up front, and the only reason why is honestly, I expect we we know Peyton's going to be there in the top three. He's a shoe in, and you know the other two guys, Breeze and Rogers. I mean, they're going to get their acts together. I don't think anyone, you know, going to expecting them to to just be perfectly good and not great this year. We I think we all know what kind of player. 
Drew Brees is, what he's capable of, and certainly Aaron Rodgers as well. Um, and additionally, I think another thing Andrew Luck has against him of making of hitting that top three is a guy named Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles could actually edge him out because of Nick Foles in that Philadelphia offense, uh, as we saw Monday night, seems to be more explosive than the Colts um, offenses. And I think because of that, uh, Andrew Luck certainly is a top five quarterback this season in fantasy, probably in real life as well. Um, but I don't think he finishes in the top three because I think Breeze comes back strong. I think Rodgers comes back strong. I think Foles also has a chance to edge him out. Um, okay. So, that said, Bonner Front is top three quarterback this season. You said Bonner Front? Bonner Front, yes. Bonner Front. Okay, uh, little bit Brother Jay, Bonner Front or Bonner Front? Well, he may have to be a top three to keep the Colts on track, but I think it's Bonner Front also. I don't think that's his, that's his nature to, to have to take over the games. He wants to be able to just compliment his players. So, And I think there's a lot of other quarterbacks that have to strike with more of the burden than than uh, Luck may potentially have to, depending upon if Bradshaw can stay healthy and if Richardson can start to really pick up the slack. So uh, I'm going to say bona front, but with the caveat of the health of the rest of his team. So we'll, we'll just say bona front. Go ahead. Commiss T, bona front or bona front? Uh, that's bona front. I, I mean, let's just move on. I, I mean, let's just move on. Bona front, done. Next. Uh, wow. It's hard to break through the four horsemen, and that's the that's the perspective I take on this because you're talking about breaking in, breaking into where the four four horsemen are, and um, not only do those guys quarterback well, but you know their mistakes are also minimal. And uh, Andrew Luck is just not quite there, but he's definitely a heck of a competitor. So, in reference to this question, Bonafront. Uh, last up, Eddie Lacy. I guess in reference to his performance this bad, uh, Bonafide, this is who he is. Bonafront, don't believe it. K-Star. Uh, that's Bonafront. I don't believe it. Eddie Lacy is not this terrible. Eddie Lacy was great last season. He was terrific as a rookie. Uh, I think right now what we're seeing is the Packers' entire offense struggle. Eddie Lacy is a five-box of it. I don't think he's a catalyst of that. And I think that he'll absolutely get it together because I expect the offense to get it together. And, you know, it, I'll put it like this. When you play with Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be certainly easy to redeem yourself when you get those goal line and those red zone carries and catches. And I think Eddie Lacy will certainly do that and will be a big uh, contributor to the Packers' offense. I don't see him going anywhere. I just think he's off to a slow uh, start to the season. So, again, uh, Eddie Lacy, this bad, that's definitely going in front because he's not. Uh, Miss T. Well, I, I mean, so so is the question. We're well, talking on a fantasy level. We're talking on a production level. I think we're talking on you know, we're talking on the NFL level this time. Purely his play right. in the game as it is right now. Is that what you're saying, K Star? Yes. Uh, NFL wise, no. I mean, he's not. He's he he'll have some. I, I don't think. You know, we, we throw around terms like top five and top ten. Eddie Lacy is a top ten running back in the NFL. That would be my guess. Uh, no more, though. Not a top five. Top ten. So, to answer your question, um, is he this bad? No. So, bona front with him being this bad, no. I expect him to be productive 
And with Rodgers, I think Rodgers makes Lacey look better than he really is because Rodgers is such a good quarterback and can throw the ball and can make things happen. That then opens up the run game. You know, where some teams run to open up the pass. I think when you have an Aaron Rodgers back there, um, you've got to respect his arm, his mobility, and um, it, it opens up some things for Eddie Lacy. And when Aaron when Rodgers is having a bad day, well, the offense is stuttering and Lacy can't get off. So I think Lacy will have some good games this year. I think he'll be, you know, a productive running back. If I had him, I he I I wouldn't let him go. I think he will be productive. Little Big Brother Jay, Bonafide or Bonafront? Bonafront also. I think he's better than what we've seen. I mean, he's only had about 36 carries over these three games, and I don't think that's enough to say, no, this is as good as it's going to get. He's, he's Bonafront. I expect him to be much better, and it's really going to depend upon how much of a lead that the, uh, the Packers can get in certain games, but I expect to see much more productivity from him. All right. Well, let me just put it to you this way. Guys, I'm in, in my division. And uh, for the Green Bay Packers, the offense definitely runs through Aaron Rodgers. But when Aaron Rodgers is not there, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers not be there, offense runs through Eddie Lacy. So this is definitely bona front. All right. Uh, before we get into... No, I guess we can go. Yeah. Uh, next, we have our pick six, week three results and overall results. And going into the week four pick six. So, uh, results by yours truly. Week six, uh, week three results were train four and two, commission T three and three. Little Big Brother still digging about that dirt pile two and four. K Star also four and two. Overall results. Yours truly still at the top, only by one though. Twelve and six. K Star eleven and seven. Kamish T nine and nine. And Little Big Brother J eight and ten. Man, you it's still early. It's still early. I'm not tooting. I'm only smiling a little bit. Only a little bit. So we're going to roll right into week four, pick six. Wow. So first up is uh, Packers at Bears. I guess I should take this one first, huh? I think you should. (laughs) I'm going with my Bears. uh, Oh, my God. No way. Sorry. I'm legitimately surprised. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My bears gave me a new sense of, of, of faith in them, you know. Uh, yeah, I jumped off there for a second, you know. A little rough patch there, but uh, we are at home after being on the road two weeks straight. We we won two road games, which I thought was huge. And um, one had to come, one we had to come back, and another one we had to uh, essentially try to put a team away. We got a little help from the refs. I won't deny that, but hey, it's football. It happens. Uh, but we have our arch nemesis, our rivals, the most hated team by any Chicago Fair fan on the planet Earth or any other nine other planets in our solar system, the Packers. We hate them. 
and we expect to win this because we're tired of being on the bottom of the pile. We're tired of losing to Green Bay. I don't care if we go 2-14 and 14 for the rest of the season as long as the two wins is against the Packers. That's a little exaggerated, but essentially that's how I feel. So in this game, we're hoping to get some players. Hopefully, we, we, we'll definitely have our receivers, Brandon, uh, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffries. They should be healthy. Hopefully the run game will open up because we will need it definitely in this game. I saw what Detroit was able to do defensively uh, against the Packers, and the Bears this year's defense isn't as bad as it was last year, you know, just from what I've seen. Will it do what Detroit did? I'm not sure, but we definitely will have some type of pass rush uh, against Aaron Rodgers. And uh, this is a great opportunity for Chicago to go up 3-1 and one and put the Packers at 1-3 and three with two division losses. This is a must-win game. Yes, in week four, a must-win. Let's go Bears. Who's coming with me? Commissioner T. Mm, you, you, you make a compelling argument, and I was waiting for your conclusion of, you know, you, for a second you scared me when you said, I don't care if they go 2-14 and 14 unless if both wins are against the Packers, because you should care. <laughs> um, um, and, and, every, and what you concluded with is kind of where I'm going, where the Bears are really in a position to bury the Packers. One in three, two division losses. Um, that's tough even even though I'm saying no rushes to judgment and all of that, let's be honest. One in three with two division losses is very difficult to come back from. Um, the momentum that your team can get. So you, your team needs this game. Um, just on an emotional, psychological, getting over the hump level, your team wins this game. The question is, can you win this game? That's the question. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna reluctantly go with the Bears, and the only reason I'm going with the Bears, the only reason, because I really was going to pick the Packers, um, is because I was watching an interview on one of the sports channels um, last night. I was in a hotel last night, and they were talking about Jay Cutler, and I don't know if it was ESPN. I really it was middle of the night, and so I don't remember what channel it was. But they were saying that people don't really know. Now you might know this train because it's your team. But it was the first time mm-hmm. I had heard how much of a buy-in Cutler had in Trestman's system and how hard he's been working. I had never heard that before. And I started saying, wow, I mean, that's different than what I've heard in the past about Jay Cutler. This is a guy who didn't come out in the championship game, and he was much maligned for that and all of that. Now I'm hearing he completely has bought in. He's working his butt off, and, um, you know, he's making plays. And he's as, he's as ridiculed as Tony Romo, in my opinion. So hearing that made me think, oh, okay, well, okay. Then in this game at home, I'm going to go ahead and get with the Bears then at home. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead, Train, so I'm coming with you. I'm going to go ahead with the Bears at home. The Packers at one. Oh, man. I love you, dude. I love you. <laughs> Little Big Brother Jay, who you with? Yeah, Dr. Train, I'm going to have to get on the train myself. I'm going to take the Bears. I can't see them going 0-2 at home to start off the season, so I'm going to take the Bears in this one. Wow. This is, this is, oh, I'm starting to get teary-eyed. K-Star. Here, here, here you it comes. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Guys, I just, you know, the train is going right now. I'm chasing it, but I can't quite catch up because, you know what, here's the thing. 
as great as the Bears have looked, I don't think we've seen. But I look at it like this: the Bears, as good as they've looked, um, comparatively, the the Packers have looked uh, just on the other end of the spectrum, completely terrible. And there's no way there's no way they're that bad. The, the Packers have been playing awful. Um, I expect that the Chiefs to get together. I mean, as much as a must-win a game uh, train that you claim this is for the Bears, it's even much more that for the Packers. Because at the end of the day, they they can't go owing to the last two weeks on the division and expect to uh, really you know make their skill in the end of the year. Um, but that said, you know, we'll see if there's always there. I'm glad you're breaking up right now because you, you're talking noise and uh, I, I got it. You, you're with the back. So, <laughs> we're back in this spot, man. Hear you again. <laughs> All right, next up. I put this one on simply because it's a tough one to pick. So we got Bills at Texans, both teams, actually surprisingly, at least for me, two and one. So a little bit, Brother Jay, who you got? Bills at Texans. It's like the battle of the prima donnas. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the Texans because they're at home. Uh, it's it's a toss-up, but that's going to be my tiebreaker, Texans. Commissioner T. Uh... I don't believe in the Bills. I don't believe in the Texans, but I believe in less the Bills. So I'm going with the Texans. They're home, and um, they've got the best decent defensive player in the NFL, J.J. Watt. The guy can actually single-handedly change the course of the game all by himself. Um, so I'm going with uh, the Texans. Uh, K-Star, welcome back. Uh, Bills at Texans, who you got? I love the Texans this matchup. E.J. Manuel's terrible. And now, like uh, T said, he's the best defensive player in football, about to be uh, chasing him down all game, creating havoc, and just, yes, Texans all day in this matchup. Uh, I myself will go with the Texans, but I will say this this can definitely end up being a surprising game. The Bills' defense has a knack for showing up in the craziest moments. Uh, but definitely, uh, T, just for that reason alone, J.J. Watt, Leader of that defense, I would definitely choose the Texans at home. Uh, Panthers at Ravens. K-Star, both teams 2-1. Do us the honors. Who you with? Oh, man, you know I'm with the Panthers. Um, (laughs) Of course. I know we destroyed them. My Steelers did the Panthers on Sunday night, but... uh, the the Panthers have a very still a very very tough defense. Um, the way they got embarrassed by Le'Veon Bell and company uh, Sunday night, I, I think that they'll get that together. I think that they'll be able to short their run defense. Um, and you know I expect Cam to play better. Uh, and it, it's gonna be a low scoring game. It's not gonna be an offensive uh, explosion whatsoever for either team. But I just like the Panthers and uh, uh, Cam's ability to make plays outside the pocket more than uh, Joe Flacco being able to make plays against that defense. So I like Carolina. Okay. I'm going to step in and give my give mine on this one before I get to the true brothers. Listen, it will be the Ravens. This is going to be the Ravens for one specific reason. 
I nicknamed him Mighty Mouse, and but his name is Steve Smith Sr. He has marked this game ever since the Ravens have picked him up. And the Panthers are coming to his new home? You best believe he will be like a little madman on the field. And he's only one player, but it's going to make a huge impact. So I'm going to roll with the Ravens. Plus, mathematically, let me see. The Ravens beat the Steelers, then the Steelers beat the Packers. So mathematically, the Ravens should beat the Panthers. So, Ravens. Come here, T. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going with the Ravens. Um, it's been well documented that I'm not a believer in Cam Newton on the big level. I think he's good. He's not great. I don't think he ever will be great. I think he's good. He'll have great games, but I don't think he's a great quarterback. Um, I think Steve Smith is going to be on a mission. Um, And I think that even though Carolina has had a solid defense, I think this is the kind of game where the Ravens D and Harbaugh challenge them and says, who's going to be the best D on this field tonight? Historically, the Ravens D, um, you know, has, has won them, uh, a lot of games, and, and including uh, Super Bowl. Um, and so I think Harbaugh comes out and says, well, two Super Bowls, um, says, you want to be the second best D on the field? And I, and I tell you, there's, that's a huge motivation. It's a lot of pride. Um, and, you know, um, I've never been impressed with Ron Rivera as a coach. Um, we had him in Dallas as a coordinator. Um, a while back, um, I, I just, I, I mean, he had a good year last year, uh, but overall, I just, you know, we talk about coaching matters. I think that's, that's good. He's going to get out coached here too. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. for several reasons, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Yeah. Something, something's missing there. Uh, little bit brother Jay, who you with? Shock me up with the Ravens. I think Steve Smith Sr. is going to electrify the rest of his teammates because not only does he have a circle on the calendar, I think his teammates got a circle on the calendar for him. So I expect them to come out on top. And once again, K starts on the other side of the fence by himself. All right, next up, Eagles at Niners. We just had a short conversation on this. So I'm going to start with Kamish T., Eagles at Niners. Um, for all the reasons that I said to Mike earlier, um, I'm going with the Niners on this one. Um, they're home, and I just I, I do I think they're a superior team to Philly. I, I mean, they're close in talent right now and how they're playing. I, I, you know, I wouldn't go that far. I think I think the Niners have a better D. And I think the uh, Eagles have a better offense. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, we'll talk about Foles in a minute, but uh, he actually did some things to impress me um, against the Redskins. I mean, r- really impressed me. Um, but I, I think this, I think the 49ers need this game more than the Eagles. And so for that reason, at home, I'm going with the 49ers. All right, little bit brother Jay, who you with? You know, I'm going with the 49ers also because last week, as y'all may recall, I picked the Redskins to beat the Eagles, and I came within the eyelash of being the single one out of all of y'all to get it right. And that's happened on <laughs> numerous occasions. 
I'm taking the Niners because I think the law of averages, again, maybe I was a week early last week, but I don't think I'm going to be a week early this coming week. I think it's going to catch up, and I think the Niners are going to take them. All right. Um, K-Star, still uh, still rolling with Nick Foles? Still rolling with Nick Foles, but not, not, not in this game. Um, I like San Francisco. I like San Francisco because the state of the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line right now is in a state of emergency. They have just lost too many people, and they're going to going to go against one of the best front seven, featuring Justin Smith and Patrick Willis. And I just think that um, they will create enough pressure to throw off the Philadelphia offense. I think Colin Kaepernick plays well enough to ink out the uh, close uh, win in San Francisco. So I like the Niners. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Niners. I think this will be one of the most well-balanced teams that the Eagles will play, a team that does have offense and does have defense and can put you away, um, even though they didn't put my Bears away. But, hey, they don't have a Brandon Marshall on their team. But, anyway, um, I'm going to go with the Niners on this one. They're at home, one and two. This is a game they need to win. All right, next up. Man, this is one I, I will definitely sit down to see. Saints at the Cowboys. How about some Cowboys? Commish T, I know you rode my train with my Bears. How do I get on that bus and ride with them Cowboys this week? Well, you know, uh, just as a side note, this is this is the type of thing that makes me hate fantasy football because my starting quarterback is Drew Brees. <laughs> Um, you know, and it just, this is what I hate about fantasy football. It really, it really does. I was, I was at the bar watching the Cowboys and the guy behind me was, I don't know. He was talking fantasy during the game. And I said, dude, I can't do that. I've got to focus on the Cowboys and worry about fantasy later. And this one's hard because Drew Brees is my guy for fantasy. He's won me two championships. Um, you know, I, I put a lot He's my keeper in both leagues. He's everything to me fantasy-wise. And I want him, obviously, to run up a lot of points every other week. Now he's going to face my team. So I, I'm in a dilemma. So it sucks. So I'm going to speak purely football and not fantasy. This is pure football we're talking now and not fantasy talk. Um, this is similar to the Bears and the Packers, except it's not a division game. It's a conference game. The Cowboys need this win. They're at home, and they need this win to make a statement that this is a different Dallas Cowboy team. They made a statement last week. Biggest comeback in Cowboy history, 21 points. Now, I'm not going to say the Rams are a playoff team, but there were people saying before the season that they're a playoff team, okay? Uh, Now, we know Bradford went down, and, you know, I get it, but there were people saying they're a playoff team. That said – to be down 21 points, Romo threw a pick six, and to come back and win that game, that, that's a different Dallas Cowboy team. So Dallas needs this win desperately because if they lose, they're right back to being the same old team. 2-2, 8-8, 138 and 138, it goes on and on. You're nothing special. It's just another season. We knew you were going to lose to the Saints. If you win, you're three and one. The Saints go to one and three. People are saying, "What's wrong with the Saints now?" The Cowboys beat them. Are the Saints really that bad, or are the Cowboys really that good? I mean, it's the news of the week now. 
questions are going to be asked and answered, and oh my God, and Dallas has to win this game. DeMarco Murray, number one running back statistically in the NFL right now. The Saints defense is struggling. As I said they would under Rob Ryan. Drew Brees, as good as he is, is not playing to the Drew Brees level we're accustomed to. He's just not. So for those reasons, and, you know, K-Star said Romo's not Romo, and I said, well, he's starting to become Romo, and we saw that last week. I think this is the game where Romo shows he's okay. This is the game where week four he says, I'm back. I'm okay. Dez is going to have a big game. DeMarcus is going to have a big game. It could be a shootout. I expect it to be a shootout. If Rolando McClain plays, it's a wrap. He didn't play last week. He's the starting middle linebacker, and he didn't play last week. So, you know, you give up 34 points or whatever you gave up, 31, 34 points. Um, We're hoping he plays this week. If he plays this week, it's a wrap. Cowboys, baby. Book it. All right. Little Big Brother JT has made a compelling argument. Uh, if someone just needed a little bit more reason to hop on that on that bus with them Cowboys, what can you tell us? Well, the bad news is Morris Claiborne skipped out of practice and left the team facility. The good news is he hasn't done much to miss them anyway. I'm going with the Cowboys. I think they're going to make a statement here. I think they're finding the right blend of using – Murray and finding ways to Romo not do too much but still be able to dictate what the offense needs to do with the defense. Not to mention, the Saints defense doesn't look like the same Saints defense from last year. Even those three games, the eyeball test, eh, not so sure about what they can do. Going to be the Cowboys, probably going to be a shootout, but I'm going to take my boys. Okay. K-Star, Saints at the Cowboys. Who you with? I am going with the Saints. While they're they're playing at Dallas, they're just in prime time, man. They are just spectacular. They always seem to come rise to the occasion. They're one and two. Them being in prime time with them being with their backs against the wall and just them being such a proficient offensive machine. I think that Drew Brees takes the game to another level. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I think DeMarco Murray has a chance to absolutely dictate the flow of this game and, and really just make it a slow, uh, grinded-out type of game, which gives Dallas the best chance to win. However, um, I just think Dallas forces the tempo. Or I'm sorry. I think New Orleans forces the tempo early getting on the board and uh, carrying the momentum throughout the game. I like New Orleans to win. Okay. Um, and, and just and just before you say anything, Trey, the reason I didn't mention yeah. anything about Claiborne is exactly what Jay said. So the the reason he he skipped practice is because he was informed that he's not starting against the Saints. So so mm. so now now you're gonna be a sucker about it. Um, you're not benched, and, and when I say benched, meaning not starting, he would he would still play and may still play if he comes back and makes amends. Um, just won't start because your ass was getting burnt. Now, you made a play at the end of the game. Congratulations. But you were getting burnt all game. And um, how many interceptions does your rookie cornerback have this season? Three. 
That's Great. what Claiborne I, has in his career. Mm-hmm. First round draft pick. Number six pick in the draft, first round draft pick. In his third year. Hey, no, he's, he's, play, he's playing in a defense that doesn't require the corner to sit on an island. You just need to keep and be obedient to your assignment and make tackles and get to the ball as fast as you can. And you can have a pretty productive career as a corner in a cover two. Well, well, yeah, yeah, but he, but they do play. He does play press, and that's what he played in college, and that's what they drafted him for. And he has he his technique is horrible. If you watch the games, if you watch the plays, his te- he gets beat off the line when he's pressing upon his man. He gets beat off the line every single time. I, I mean, he was a great college player. It just hasn't translated into the NFL. And Dallas knows they need to win this game against the Saints. You got Skandrick back. Who can play? You got Sterling Moore. Who can play? And so far, Brandon Carr has been playing. A $50 million man has been playing okay. Claiborne has been the weak link in the cornerbacks. So they did exactly what they needed to do. And he needs to grow up and get back to practice and work on his technique. And instead of being a punk about it, go get your starting job back by being productive on the field. That's what you need to do because you deserve to be benched. Frankly, at this point, unless he comes back like tomorrow, I'd cut his ass. Okay, yeah. I'm done. I'm sorry, Frank. Man, this is uh this is a bit of a tough one. Um I honestly think picking the Saints would definitely probably be the easy pick because people are just expecting the Saints to, to win. Uh, and not to say that history always repeats itself, but there was a season a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, not sure, where the Saints were dominating, but there was one team that was able to go in their house and put the smack on them. That team was Dallas. Uh, and just with DeMarco Murray running the way he's running, if Dallas could just stick to that and the defense stick to the fundamentals, I don't think this is a difficult win for Dallas with them being at home. So I'm going to take a gamble this week, and I'm going to get on that bus with you, and I'm going to mm-hmm. roll with the Cowboys for this week. Don't let me down, Dallas. Don't let me down. No, so far, K-Star, this pans out for you, boy. You could have a... Pretty sick lead. But we'll see. Oh, yeah. Patriots, at, mm-hmm. Patriots at Chiefs. Uh, I picked this one because these are not the same old Patriots that we've been used to watching. Uh, they're a bit different. And this Chiefs team, even though it didn't start out as dominant as it did last year, it kind of showed back up this past week. So... A uh, little bit, Brother Jay. Patriots at Chiefs. Who do you have? Yeah, I still got to go with what's tried and true. I'm going to take the Patriots. They may not look like the dominant Patriots of old, but it's hard to go against Brady when he's back there, regardless of what anybody says. So, And the Chiefs, even though they looked solid last week, they're so up and down and unpredictable. Uh, now Davis is doing a good job filling in for Jamal Charles, but I think the Patriots are going to be a little bit too much for him. 
Commish T. Patriots. I I, I don't even I, – I think the Patriots – I'm not saying they're going to be the Patriots all year. Brady, there are some concerns there. But I think in this game, um, this is this is their game to reestablish themselves, and I believe they will. Patriots. K-Star. Yeah, for me, it's Patriots. It's not really that close. I think they have a big uh, uh, breakout game. You know, I feel like we go through this every year on this time with the Patriots when they start out a little slow and then they just respond and take off around this point in the season. So, with that said, New England for me. I think I'm also going to have to roll with the Patriots. Uh, the Chiefs did show up last week, but, you know, from what I understand, it was some very horrible quarterback play from Tannehill as well. Um and it's one of the four horsemen. You know, I did just pick against one. Really just picked against two. But to pick against three is just blasphemous. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the Patriots. <laughs> All right, now on to our last couple of segments. Uh, pep Talks. Uh, T, you got Pep Talk for Adrian Peterson. That is it. Uh, you know... I didn't talk much on the whole child abuse thing last week. I wanted to kind of let things play out a bit. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson's best running back in the NFL today. I don't think anyone can dispute that. Um, but where is he? He's, he's, he's on the exempt list, getting paid to sit home and watch football. Um, his, his son, age four, was whipped by a branch and bruised and in the south that's not uncommon um i think that i'm hearing adrian peterson stand by what he did that's what i'm hearing um i'm not a child abuser i'm not this i'm not that um my pep talk to adrian peterson would be number one shut your mouth um, as a young boy, I was whooped by different items, not at the age of four, older, and that was the culture. Um, use your own common sense. Bite how you were raised in a time of, you know, 25 years ago. Use your own common sense. You called the kid's mother and said, you're probably not going to be happy when you see our son. So you knew something was wrong. Your best bet right now is to admit being wrong and to go seek some type of counseling, to discuss what you did and to make amends for it and to even possibly get other alternatives on how to discipline your children. This is bigger than football. This is about you being a man, a father, a role model for your kids, maybe for a lot of NFL players. This is bigger than football. But when I'm hearing that you're you're not really taking ownership of this, I got a problem with that. Okay, I, I got a big problem with that. Again, I believe in spankings. Absolutely. Don't believe in leaving bruises. And I certainly don't believe in leaving bruises on a four-year-old boy. So, Adrian, you need to take a deep breath. 
accept the fact that you was wrong, and then go do something about it. Fix it for yourself and your family. Go do that now. Go fix yourself and your family. Football will be there. You're still 29 years old, okay? If you're lucky, if you do the right thing, we might see you back next year. We ain't going to see you this year. I'm going to tell you now, you're not playing this year. So you just forget about it. But maybe if you do the right thing, maybe we'll see you next year. And maybe, uh, you know, Emmett's record and all that, who knows? I don't, you know, maybe, I, I mean, that's even another whole conversation. Like, I don't even know why we, why are you even talking about Emmett's record? I don't even know why you're even talking about it. I mean, you know, Emmett won three Super Bowls. Shouldn't you be talking about winning Super Bowls? But that's another conversation. Point is, if you want to come back next year and play football, go do the right thing for yourself and your family. Forget football. Go fix your family. Issue a statement. Say that you were wrong. Say that I'm sorry. And say, I'm going to go get help. I'll see you all in a few months. And then goodbye. Go vanish and go fix the problem. That's my pep talk for Adrian Peterson. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? You know, Madden boys, we love the kids. Uh, <laughs> JB. <laughs> Can I just say something real quick, though? I'm so yeah, go ahead, man. Stealing, stealing stuff. Okay, he says that, right? Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. love the kids. Okay, Jay, where do you get that from? Go ahead and say it. Martin. Thank you. Yeah. You stole it from Martin. Thank Martin you. Kids. Come ago. on, man. Why are you stealing stuff? When I steal something, I give credit. I steal Richard Pryor all the time. All the time. But I give credit because he's, he's a comedic genius. Come on, Stephen. They stop acting like that was yours. You stole it. We the same age, bro. We grew up watching the same shows at the same time. You stole it. Cut it out. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, about I guess 20 years ago. I guess that was the uh, Commish T versus uh, First Take. Who said it? Kind of snuck in it. Uh, <laughs> JV, you got anything else to say to Tampa Bay? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just going to say one thing. If you really think you're a legitimate team, do like the late Chris Benoit would say prove me wrong. There you have it. Prove me wrong. Tampa Bay. Come on, Lovey. He's supposed to be my second okay. favorite team. This yeah, but can we not be quoting murderers? <laughs> Jeez. Hey, All right. Uh, real quick. <laughs> real quick, my pep talk is simply, I, I know we've had this subject come up, but look, Mike Tumlin, I, I'm tired of seeing uh, no disciplinary action from you for Le'Veon Bell and, and Blount. Can we get what you said you was going to do? Some in-house discipline. Where is it? I'm not taking the talent away from these young dudes. They can play. They look good on the field. But in respect of your team and you as a head coach, I need you to do what you said you was going to do. And you've not done it yet. Respect meter is constantly decreasing by the week. All I have to say. Amen. Amen. Here, here. Uh, K Star, you didn't send one in, but you got any pep talk for? Yeah, I got the talk for you. Stop it! Stop it! Let it play out. 
maybe they were handled something in the house. Who knows? We don't have all that information yet. Let it play out. I mean, it's it's Jesus. It's week three. It's it's still early. All right, that's we don't know what's from going a fan. We gonna move on to the weekly MVPs. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, it's doggone well. If this was any other team, case I'll be right there. Because it's the yeah. Steelers. I'll let it play out. And because I'm tired, guys. I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about to unleash. I'm about to unleash hell on all of you if you, you bringing it up again. This is ridiculous. It, because it, it makes sense to bring it up. It makes sense to bring it up. Oh. And your coach is is for me personally is just losing respect for not doing what he said he's going to do. And if you like a coach that doesn't do what he said he's going to do, then by all means, happy for you. I don't. And I'm sorry. I mean, on another note, as, a, as on another note, as a black man, he's 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 representing, and he's not doing what he said he's gonna do, and it doesn't look good. And that's the part that bothers me the most. As a black man, I need you to do what you said you was gonna do in the head coach position. It makes us as a community look good. I know you may not get that perspective, but truth truth be told. That's what I'm feeling when he's not doing what he says he's going to do. It bothers me. Because I really like him up until this point as a head coach and as a leader of men. And I'm not happy. But they didn't, he didn't say what they were going to do other than handle it in the house. But he hasn't. Told him, but but he hasn't. That. But you don't yeah. know that. They said in the house well, what that is he, he's what has he done? Probably a number of ways. I don't know, but they said in the house, which means again it could be a hurt and, handled. Okay, everyone handles. There are other teams that handle discipline in house, and guess what? We hear something. We haven't heard. It mean we any, have to. Anything in house? Not one thing. Well, okay, so if we haven't heard it, anything. It does. The only thing I can believe on the outside mean, is nothing's being done. Okay. Well, I'm saying you're a fan. If you want to believe that something's being done just because you're a Steelers fan, I find it strange, but okay. okay uh, I'm just saying, we don't know yet. K-Star, your Steeler hat is on, and I respect that because of your loyalty, but let's be real. Um, and what's going on in the NFL with rule violations and such? Now, frankly, well, changed also. Fra- fra- well I, I understand it changed, but others – there were there were there were penalties for others that were rescinded or reduced after the rule changed. Nothing was done to these two backs. They they nothing. I mean, when you say we don't know that, you think they didn't get paid, and you don't think that would have made press if they played and not got paid. They've been on the field every play. So what else could have been done? They played in preseason. They played in the regular season. So what are you thinking could have been done? The reason this is such a problem is because we have all sat on this very show and commended Mike Tomlin. See, we, meaning myself, Train, and now now JB, can look past loyalties and get credit where credit is due. We have all lauded Mike Tomlin for being a good, firm head coach, one of the better coaches in the league, a guy that we all respect, and a guy that's a no-nonsense, takes-no-crap head coach. So when you see this, and he says we will handle it, and then nothing happens, yes, it's a letdown. It's a huge letdown, number one. Number two, I completely agree with your train. And, and I don't completely expect you to understand this, but as a fan, you might. Black people fought to be a chance to be a head coach, right? They were, it wasn't all that long ago there were no black coaches in the NFL. 
Now there's several. There was no black starting quarterbacks. Now there's several. That's not by accident. The Rooney Rule and things happen to give finally give black people an opportunity. So now you're in a leadership position. You won a Super Bowl. You know, you're one of the more respected coaches in the NFL. What are you doing? Something should have happened. Sit them for a half or something. Something should have happened. And from where we're sitting, nothing's happened. It's not cool. It's just not cool. And, and K-Star, I, I want you to understand, I don't want to wish anything negative on the Steelers. Like, I understand the impact that those running backs have for your team offensively and their production. This is beyond that. This is simply looking at a head coach that I've respected up to this point that has not done what he said he's going to do. And I don't care if it was for the Steelers. I don't care if it was for the Bears. Do what you said you was going to do. It, it just doesn't matter. Just just continue to be a leader of men like you've been doing, and he hasn't done, and he's not doing that. All right. Moving on to Weekly MVPs, uh, JV, uh, Rashad Jennings, quick spiel. Yep, I'm going to go with Rashad Jennings. First two weeks, 34 carries, 110 yards. This past Sunday, 34 carries, 176 yards, and a touchdown. He gave the Giants some balance. Made Eli look a lot more comfortable, and that's why he's my MVP for the week. Good job, Rashad. As much as I can't stand the Giants, but I know Mom is listening probably, so there you go, Mom. All right, Commish T, we've the MVP. Well, keeping it in NFC East, I, I had to give it to Nick Foles because I've maligned him, I've criticized him, I said I don't believe in him. Three comeback wins in a row, but this one here is, is um, really respected because he was pounded. If you watch Rocky Two, the movie Rocky Two. There's a scene in there, and and it'd be near the beginning of the movie, and Burt Young, who was uh, the, the the trainer, or not Burt Young, um, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but the trainer, Bali the Black Guy, was the trainer of Apollo Creed, and he said, do you think I won the fight? And he looks around, and he stands up, and he walks over Apollo Creed, and he said, I saw you beat that man like nobody's ever been beaten, and he kept coming. He's wrong for you. He said, do you think I won the fight? You got the decision. And because he couldn't get ratification from his manager, he said, okay, we're going to fight him again, right? And he went to fight him again. My point is Foles was getting hammered against the Redskins. He was maligned all day, and that dude kept coming. I have to respect that. I have to respect that. Not only coming back three games in a row, but the way the Redskins just beat on him and beat on him and beat on him, and he still came back and won that game. You're my MVP this week, bro. Don't get used to it. I'd I'd never do it again, but I I, I said one of the rules was we couldn't pick our own players, and certainly with my team coming back for 21 points, I was ready to pick one of my players, but I got to follow my own rules, so I won't pick a Cowboy. But I'll give it to Foles this week. You're my MVP. Uh, K-Star, MVP. Russell Wilson, my MVP for the week. Um, This guy's terrific. He's a great quarterback. He's not a game manager. He's not a secondary piece to the the, the Seattle puzzle. He is a key cog in it. And the way he played against Peyton, uh, 
and being so cool, calm, collective in the pocket, um, you know, had over 40 rushing yards, converted third down to third down, especially in overtime to win the game. Uh, he was terrific. I mean, again, the game-winning touchdown overtime, uh, he was money. Uh, getting the, the Seahawks an early lead, uh, forcing Broncos into mistakes early, he was money doing that. And he just, again, no one could stop him. Uh, when the game was on the line, he made it look so easy, converting all third downs with his feet, buying time, and just being ridiculously accurate and cool, calm, poised, collected. And Russell Wilson, for me, was a league MVP this week in the biggest game of all. All right. Um, I know you guys got the agenda and you see who my MVP is, but I'm going to call the audible right now on, on my MVP uh, simply because I'm hosting and it's the NFL show and I can do that. So uh, I'm going to roll with a guy that I, I started to put in the beginning and then I switched because shout-out to Detroit's D-line. They played like I want my D-line to play this coming Sunday. But I'm going to give my MVP to DeMarco Murray. Simply because, thank you, Dallas, for finally putting the ball into the right man's hand, not taking anything from Tony Romo. He can do it. He can, he can, he can, he can throw with the best of them from time to time. But in order for that team to be balanced, you must hand the ball off to, to Marco Murray and let this man run. And through the first three weeks, mind you, against the tough San Francisco team, even though they lost that game, he still ran well, and they probably should have kept giving him the ball. But, hey, I digress. So this week, I give my MVP to DeMarco Murray. Keep it up, brother. Keep it up. Can, can I add a All comment right. there? Can I add a comment? Yes. I, 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 there's a lot of Cowboys out there, fans, that are saying, because Murray has had three fumbles in three weeks, and they're saying – he he should there should be a penalty for that. He should be benched for a series or something. Um are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, what are you smoking? Um do we bench Romo when he throws an interception? Do we bench Dez if he drops a pass? Um did we bench Claiborne who got burned all day? Um he's your workhorse. They're feeding him the ball. He's got five point one average, you know, yards per carry. I agree the fumbles is an issue, but he knows that. But seriously yeah, sometimes I just don't understand what people are smoking. Um, so kudos not only to, to Murray and Officer's line, but to, to Jason Garrett, just piggyback and train, because I think I think Garrett is really the catalyst behind all of this, him and, and Lenahan. So just wanted to piggyback that since you brought it up. Go ahead. <laughs> all right, all right. Wow. Sorry, <laughs> your background noise. But um, we reached the end of the show. I think it's been another great one, hosted by yours truly. Thank you for the opportunity, T. Uh, K-Star, any final words? Uh, man, just to, um, like, like T says this all the time, but I, I want to say it again. We are approaching pretty much the last weekend of September. So the first month of football already is coming to uh close. So enjoy it, man. Enjoy everyone, and um, I know I know I certainly will. But again, don't 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 get too caught up in the hyperbole. Don't get too caught caught up in forecasts and everything. Just enjoy it and let it play out. Little big brother Jay, any final words? 
Okay. Oops, sorry about that. Uh, three quick ones. Uh, shout out to Mike that called in from Pennsylvania. Appreciate you calling in. Uh, secondly, sorry that K Star, but I had to get that first W on you in in a, a little uh, fantasy league. So uh, props to me. Um, nice. Just put right now. And then last but not least, and this is more uh, on a serious yet somber note, I uh, just saw that Rob Barones had passed away over the weekend due to a car accident. So I just want to say condolences to his family and uh, RIP to Rob Barones. Good kicker for the Titans. All right, absolutely. Kamish T. Uh, K-Star, you do know who Rob Barones' wife is, right? Let me on me. I saw Ground noise. Here, Brad's the daughter. That's right. It's horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good one, Jay, on that. Um, I, I can hear, I can hear uh, uh, Chris Berman, uh, uh, Rob, Rob my Baronis, <laughs> when he would he would uh, kick a field goal. So um, tough, tough loss. Um, anyway, uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Dr. Train for uh, for filling in and and doing such a great job as usual. Um, um, I will, I will let everybody know that we, 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 I'll have to get with my co-host about what's going to happen next Tuesday night because, uh, Commissioner T has some challenges next Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. But I want to thank Dr. Train for hosting tonight and doing a fantastic job. And, um, you know, K-Star said it, uh, we're at the week four, um, you know, we're going to be rolling in the bye weeks and stuff and the season is going to fly by, enjoy football. But, you know, my, my main message um, oh, I can't believe I almost forgot to say this. Uh, I'll try to be brief, but you guys know I get on a roll. Um, my rant was really going to be about stupid fans, and I just want to say to all the fans out there, uh, when Adrian Peterson had the issue, I couldn't believe how many people on Facebook and on Twitter was talking about their fantasy team. Guys, there are things bigger than football, and, and, and these are real-life issues. There was a four-year-old baby that was that was bruised up. There are women being beat up. Listen to the 911 Greg Hardy tapes. Okay, listen listen to them. Um, watch the the the, the video of, of Ray Rice. You know these are real people and real life issues. There are just times when it's not about your fantasy team. Okay, and and, and stop. Just it, it's it's. Are we really that barbaric of a society? That when Adrian Peterson is is um, deactivated because of what he did to a child, and all we can think about is what are we going to do with our fantasy team, and we're not thinking about that child. Come on now, let's be better football fans and football people than that. Let's show let's let's you know priorities, everybody. Okay, let's just show some respect and some love for our fellow man. Okay, um, so that'll be my final words. I'll let uh, Doctor Train end the show. Thank you, T. That was uh, well said and needed to be said. Uh, well, Madden Voice fans, we had another another fun-filled week. Uh, I do want to thank T for uh, letting me host the show. Um, you know, I get I get my couple of chances to do it during the season. Of course, I'll probably act during during Breast uh, Cancer Month. But thank you, T. Um, for the most part, I just look forward to. Bears versus Packers game. It's 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 probably the one that I circled on the calendar twice. But uh looking forward to a tough game. Looking forward to my favorite, to my Bears finally getting over that hump. 
Uh, because, quite honestly, we may have to keep up with Detroit instead of keep up with Green Bay. But we shall see. Uh, our picks are in. Another week of football is coming up. And uh, here on the Madden Voice, we'll be back next week to talk about it and talk about all of our feuds because here on the Madden Voice, all feuds, every last one of them, are settled on the field. Good night, everybody.